This episode is supported by Dove. Narrow beauty standards have permeated our feeds, perpetuating beauty ideals that can't be achieved in real life, impacting girls' self-esteem. To help combat this, the Dove Self-Esteem Project is taking action to support the next generation so that they can have a positive experience on social media by providing free resources to parents, mentors, and educators. Dove is tackling the issue of digital distortion with Reverse Selfie, a film rooted in new research on body confidence from the Dove Self-Esteem Project. They're also providing a new confidence kit so that kids and parents can navigate social media with confidence and have a more positive experience online. Head on over to dove.com slash the selfie talk to download the new confidence kit and helpful tips to have the selfie talk today. But Alex. Yeah, Shane. Let's begin this episode. Let's do it. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband, Shane. The babies are in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour. On this Family Tree podcast, episode 98. Is it 98? 98, babe. That's right. Two episodes away from 100, yada, yada, yada. We're going to have big guests. Thank you for listening all this way along. We're at the cottage. We're vacationing. (laughs) I was a little tired, but now I've had a couple of drinks and now I have a new lease on life. So I feel the same. I feel the exact same. I feel like I'm 15 again and I look like I'm 15 again because we've been eating like garbage and, you know, having some more brewskis than we normally would this week. I am breaking out like a 15 year old, like, all over. All mm. over. Don't look at this. Look look at me. What do you think? Like, do I look young and youthful and pimply like a 15-year-old? <laughs> when people say they want to look youthful, is this the look they're after? Absolutely not. I think this is the point in everybody's okay, youth no, that they are I don't so notice. happy to pass. I think you're so blessed in your life that you think this is what pimply looks like. But oh. if you want to know what pimply looks like, I've got some photos for you. So not that it's a uh, is it not a yeah I'm I'm not trying to have a pimple you know pimple parade pimple Olympics here but I'm just saying anyhow Shane pimples aside we have some amazing guests tonight no no let's talk about the pimples what? a little bit no I'm kidding I'm kidding go <laughs> all right so first off a couple weeks ago I put a message out to the community I said hey guys I want to talk the about the community oh, should I say okay. that funny yeah. thanks but. And I, you know, I, I mentioned some things I want to talk about. One of those things was somebody who has done parenting by themselves through either sperm donation, IVF, whatever. What community did you put something out to? Again? Our community, Shane. This oh, family this tree family community. <laughs> it was really interesting because I had, you know, I had a lot of messages from people suggesting people that had done this. But the majority of suggestions were about Alyssa Garrison, who is on the account Random Acts of Pastel. So everybody said, Alyssa's got an amazing story. Check her out. Checked out Alyssa. It is fascinating. It is fascinating. And, he, and here's the thing. Like we, we, you know, she scratches the surface of it. Or I, if you just start following her now, you'll scratch the surface of it as you go through her life day to day on Instagram. We really get into it in the conversation, but she has always felt such a strong calling to motherhood that she decided to have kids without a partner as a single woman because she just so desperately wanted to be a mother. She had she had a vocation to be a mom, but she still did it the old fashioned way. She did it, quote unquote, the old fashioned way with a friend. You can hear all the details. Cause I had so many questions about the logistics of that uh, in our interview. But she talks about that experience, what led her to it, how it has worked out. And it's super I love conversations like this. Oh, it's amazing. So she has, she's, well, first of all, I have to say she's a very talented artist uh, from, well, she went to school in Toronto, but she lives on the West Coast. Uh, but 
fascinating woman and her motherhood story and her birth story and her journey to where she is now is so beautiful. You are going to absolutely love her and her incredibly unique family. And who else do we have on this episode? We have a hormone expert while Alex is breathing. I'll sorry, sorry, I'm out of breath, guys. I've been having so much fun. All right, so we have a hormone expert, and it's actually somebody that I went to high school with. Uh, her name is Jen Sino. So with Jen, we get into, I mean, everything female hormones and periods. We talk about periods, how our hormones change in pregnancy, and then again in postpartum. Now, Alex, you don't what? get periods. You get exclamation points. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> ongoing joke but uh yeah it was really great conversation because the thing is i got knocked on my ass when i started menstruating again after i had babies and especially recently now that i am you know breastfeeding a little bit less than i was when betty was first born my what do you call it? my pms is getting intense like incredibly intense i'm getting incredibly rage filled uh so we talk <laughs> <laughs> we talk about all of that and it really is fascinating so not only why it happens but what we can do to kind of manage it and what we can do to ease our symptoms and you know help ourselves get through these crazy periods and uh, and for the fellas how do women feel when someone says is is it that time of the month again? Oh, Shane. Is that good I want to take the most dull axe I can find, and there's actually one over there behind the wood pile, and just like slowly chop your head off with it. Okay. Slowly. Yeah. That's like a bad thing to say. So, okay. Because it minimizes the issue at hand, right? And nobody wants to feel like they're not being heard. It minimizes the irrational behavior that's... No, because there might be something that is really bugging somebody, and maybe... They want to make a big deal out of it every month, but they don't until maybe it hits at the right time. And it's like they finally get to make a big deal out of the thing that they've been too quiet about. There you have it. PMS. A good <laughs> a good thing. You know, it, it possibly helps with communication. Probably does. <laughs> okay. But Shane, I want to say cheers. I just want to say it makes me want to communicate with the fellas a little bit more over some brewskis. Get out of here. Uh, but yes, speaking of drinks, cheers. Cheers, baby. All right. So tonight we are drinking. I mean, I had to do the same thing as last week because it was so tasty. We're doing a seed lip Caesar. So Don't we're drinking... hide your laziness behind tastiness. <laughs> it's tasty, though. So we're drinking seed lip Garden 108, which, of course, is a non-alcoholic spirit and just made a delicious, super spicy Caesar with tons like i mean like a fistful of spicy beans in each one and we have been drinking alcoholic drinks all week so it is actually a very welcome reprieve yes to be knowing that i will not be feeling this drink tomorrow morning yeah, we'll only feel the bottle of wine at dinner yes yes i won't <laughs> lie to the audience we have been drinking actual alcoholic drinks this evening however Every drink when you're over 30 that you take off your list mm -hmm. of drinks helps you greatly in the morning, I've realized. Six drinks, I'm no good in the morning. Five Terrible. drinks, I can function. Yeah. Yeah. I see. This is an over 30 problem. Four, four, I'm okay. Anything beyond that, I'm like, ugh, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think since I have more mass to me, I can have that extra drink and be. You know what's been making me feel good this week, though, babe? Because we have been, you know, my parents are up here. We're hanging with them. We're bonding. My brother was up here for a while. So, you know, we're having later nights and more fun, quote unquote, fun on those nights. But 
we've been waking up and either me and my mom or me and Shane or Shane and my dad, whatever, we've been playing tennis and at least one twosome is going out each morning to play. That morning sweat makes me feel so good for the rest of the day. I love it. On the days where I don't play tennis first thing in the morning, because we got people to watch the kids here. It's amazing. Like, I don't want to leave a community of people who can watch kids for the sole purpose of me playing tennis. I never thought I'd say this, but I love having twosomes with your dad. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that sounds bad, but it's just two guys playing tennis. Knocking some balls around. You and Johnny. Alex, this is a family podcast, okay? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we've been exercising, but we have been eating questionable, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, I guess not even questionable. When you're on vacation, this is how you eat. So we've been eating the requisite amount of junk food yeah. that I think you have to eat when you're on a holiday. Like, I we've mean, had poutine two days in a row. Just yeah. to illustrate that. <laughs> it, is it weird that I don't even think that's bad eating? You know, he, he, my mom is a, an incredible cook, first off. And not only that, but she's an incredibly healthy cook. So she always makes sure you have a plate full of veggies oh, and everything. Tonight's meal was amazing. That's the thing. So it's like we have healthy meals every night for dinner, but then during the day and after dinner, we are just going buck wild yes. on the ice cream. Hog wild, yes. Hog wild. Is there a difference? I don't know. I just, hog wild to me seems like what I would actually say. I've also had, you know, I cinnamon buns. I say buck naked. Buck naked. And hog, hog wild. wild. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. But yeah, cinnamon buns, tasty ones. I've had two this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to talk about that in my opening topic. And I won't lie to you, Alex, this is my only topic because at the time of mm-hmm. writing my topics, I was so beat tired yeah. and ready to fall asleep in my chair <laughs> and just call it a night at seven and not even record this podcast mm-hmm. and just quit that I said, I'm only going to record one. My, my question, though, now that I'm actually revitalized, I wish I came up with three or four. But however, my singular question right now is... Are vacations harder on parents than regular life? I think it's the same. And the reason I think that it might seem harder is because of our expectations. So your expectation on a vacation is to get more relaxation, you know, feel rejuvenated, really party and let loose when you want to, and really just have just honestly, it's just that all comes back to relaxation. And when you're a parent, you're just vacation is just parenting in a different place, right? Like that's a saying, I'm not making that up. It's just parenting in a different location. And that truly is all it is because you still have to go through the same routines. You still have to deal with the same tantrums and things every single day. But I think it would be easier on us personally and parents in general, if we just had more realistic expectations of what vacation time would be like. You know what I mean? Uh, no, I I don't agree. Okay. I think when you're young, it's the exact same as when you're older. You aren't going to relax on your vacation. Good. You're going partying. to you, you partying or let's just say having more fun. You're going to have more fun. Right. And fun is relaxing in a way. Mm-hmm. But you're also going to be more tired. Yeah. Because you're having so much fun. We are burning the candle at both ends. Yes. Gladly and happily because mm-hmm. the fun is worth the extra dose of energy loss the next day. I agree. And uh, I think that's what you were doing when you were younger, even without mm-hmm. kids. 
Would I like a nice spa vacation right now? Yes. Yes. But I'm still having a great time out, like, you know, doing this. We're parenting all day. Yeah. And the kids aren't going down easy every night. No. And we're waking up early. Mm -hmm. But we're having a great time. Okay. I have an idea to help remedy this. So we are here for another week on, you know, even though. But it's not a vacation. No, no, no. Next week is a working week. But it's still, you know, like at least there's a lake 50 feet away and whatnot. It's just a little bit different. So we get home and then five days after being home, you and I are going away for the night for for our anniversary. So we both need a relaxation. That night, obviously, we're going to be partying. We're going to be kid-free. We're going to be in the pool, getting martinis, having a good time. Yeah, as much as we fantasize about having this weekend where we we don't drink and we just get massages and drink cucumber water and oils and whatever we're drinking, but to make us healthy, we're always going to go the fun route. Well, because here, I love partying with you. I love partying with you. And I have so much fun partying with you. It's nostalgic. Yeah, but anytime it's just you and I and no kids and you and I can actually go out on the town, I have like the freaking best night ever and I love party Shane. And it's because especially now, maybe whereas before I think party spouse would get, you know, because before kids and everything, we see each other partying all the time and I'd say that's probably where problems start for a lot of couples. But now that it's such a novelty, I really love partying with you and what I, like, defines party shame no just you and i going for a night on town not having kids to worry about oh is there a, a discernible difference in my personality well you're more prone to dancing and getting kissy and yeah it's just fun babe i'm it's more fun. prone to falling asleep before midnight I'm also. That's only no. That's only if you don't party hard enough. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> when's the last time you saw me dance? Babe, well, I I can guarantee if there weren't restrictions in place, we would have danced two weeks ago when we went out on the. Okay, town. but just when's the last time you saw me dance? Before COVID. Okay, so it's been almost two years. Well, hey. Where do? Well, maybe this campfire is going to get a little crazy tonight. <laughs> me dancing in front of your parents in front of a campfire well and I, I have to say you know shane and i this is a very cool recording and i'm really enjoying where we're doing this so we are recording in a pop-up trailer outside of the cottage this is a camper a camper it's pop-up a pop-up camper if i was listening i wouldn't know what pop-up camper meant really yeah but it's a camper that pops up there you go now i would know as a listener i'd be like thank you for saying that alex Anyways, it's sweet. My parents got it used from somebody a few years ago, but it's like the coolest thing. Like it's in semi-rough shape, but there's a king bed on one side and a queen bed on the other side. Shane and I are sitting at a little makeshift dining room table, and this is the best podcast studio ever. I kind of want one of these for home, so we have a podcast studio. If we could put a camper like this in our basement and put like <laughs> a, this family tree banner behind each of us, and have like two video cameras videoing us, we could have an amazing video podcast. Shane, we could do this with a Trillium trailer, just like one of those tiny little ones, turn it into a studio, put it in the back of our driveway. Done. Yeah. No, that'd amazing. be fun. It does add something because Hell now yeah. we're looking right at each other right now. Mm-hmm. Normally we're, when we record, we're sitting on a couch, we're beside each other and we're kind of creaking, creaking, creaking our necks to the side. Cranking? 
Yeah, we're doing something. <laughs> cranking isn't something no, cranking, I'm doing during the podcast. Your, <laughs> cranking your neck around, right? That's the term? Oh, I didn't know it was cranking. I, I, I'm not positive. All right, we're cranking it, and uh, we're looking at each other, and it's awkward a little bit. A little bit. Now, I'm sitting comfortably. I'm looking you in the eye. And to be honest, I'm falling in love all over again. Oh, babe, just me and my pimples. I'm glad we're winning you over, but hey, there's one white head in particular that. Shut up, you! I'm gonna don't you dare! I've been popping those every two hours today, so oh, that they so I'm don't show. Be Ill. <laughs> Anyhow, let's get to let's get to Alyssa. This is a, this is enough pimple talk for the crowd. I say. Let's... I love how my <laughs> opening segment just gets cut off. You said you only had one topic. Fine, I could have been. We bluffing. hit it ten minutes ago. I could have been bluffing. Okay, that, that's private, Alice. Shane. What's your second topic? I don't have one. Okay. But we did hit it 10 minutes ago. I just want the listeners to know that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wish. But before we get to this interview with Alyssa, let's tell everyone who we are supported by. We are supported by Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs make the best bras, nursing bras, everyday bras, whatever, that you can get your hands on. Whatever indeed. I got into them when I was pregnant with Lucy, and it has just been a breeze ever since. They're easy. They're so buttery and comfortable, and I've recommended them to, like, absolutely every single person in my life with breasts. Their nursing bras are pretty legendary, but now they have an everyday collection, so that means no clips, but the same amazing comfort for your boobs. You can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com, or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. Designs.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code ThisFamilyTree20 for 20% off. That's huge. And again, that is bravadodesigns.com and ThisFamilyTree20. And now let's get to our interview with Alyssa Garrison. Thank you so much for joining me on This Family Tree podcast today. How are you? I'm pretty good. Yeah, I'm on a little mini family vacation. So having a good time. Yeah. Where are you guys? We're on the Sunshine Coast, so not too far from home. But uh, yeah, I just took a little ferry ride and it's super beachy and nice over here. That's amazing. That's amazing. And you're so because I have an aunt and uncle that live on Salt Spring Island. So like, are okay. you out around that area? No. Is that the Sunshine Coast? Is that considered it? So Sunshine Coast is like part of the mainland, but you have to take a boat to get there. Okay. Salt Springs like much further yes. out yes. in the island area yeah okay. we have been there but yeah we're still technically on the mainland it's just like feels like an island because you can't get to it that's cool that is very cool and yeah. you you lived in Toronto right so I kind of wanted to touch on this because yeah. I know you live at West now but you're a mom like all moms you have lots of facets to your personality and to what yeah. you do what makes you you but were you were you like a street artist in Toronto is this true um, that's it, badass <laughs> if it is <laughs> Like, kind of, I would use the term street artist loosely, but yeah, my like brand, I guess, started with this idea of like trying to make Toronto a more rainbow place Mm -hmm. because yes, I moved there for school. I was there for just over 12 years in the end. And, um, I loved the city, but I felt like it was just the most gray place in the world. And like, everybody wears black all winter and the road gets like this gray sludge and it's just like the saddest I just couldn't feel happy there in the winter so I had this idea like oh I should start like 
painting things around the city rainbow colors and it didn't fully take off because then I you know I was a bit scared of like getting arrested (laughs) (laughs) it's like maybe I should try to find a way to do this with permits or something so now it is like a dream of mine at some point I'll work with a paint company and get to do like some big outdoor pastel installations of some sort but yeah it it was that is how I got started yes that that is very cool and I do say that that qualifies you as a street artist because you weren't doing without permits so it still is badass even though ultimately you were scared of getting arrested so you crumbled (laughs) in the face of the law but I do the same thing I I mean I don't usually crumble at things like that (laughs) but I mean as you'll probably find out through this podcast but uh yeah I don't know I guess I started blogging that's what happened I started blogging and it was tied like I had the same name for both things and then I was like oh if I want to like continue my brand on the internet I probably shouldn't be doing illegal things in real life <laughs> it'd be really easy for them to connect the dots it'd be really easy to find me yeah you know, it's very cool because um right before I met my husband actually or it was right after I met my husband I, I took a little vacation because I hadn't planned on like meeting somebody and falling in love so I had this little trip planned to Portugal and the intention of the trip was to go and meet lots of men for two weeks <laughs> And um, then I fell in love a week before I left. And I was like, ah, crap. So I took a different kind of trip than I was planning on it. And it was more of like, you know, I love going to see street art in different towns and different cities. And in Lisbon, Portugal, it reminds me kind of of what you describe and what you did. But to make, I mean, it's already bright. It's like a seaside, beautiful town. But there was somebody that had gone around and they were like knitting like cozies for trees and for fire hydrants and electrical poles and the whole city was filled with these like beautiful brightly colored tree cozies and things and it was so cheery and it was so cheery yeah I know but I say I say you get back to it because Toronto can be a very gray and dreary place and everybody's always a rush and you're right everybody is wearing black big shades it's it's a weird spot yeah I, I mean, I feel like it's gotten a tiny bit better, like a few more colorful businesses and stuff have opened for sure. It's getting there slowly. People are like, let's put some joy back in this city. But um, yeah, we'll see. I'm planning to come back and visit in September. So then nice. I'll, I'll do a full rundown of all the new rainbow things around town. Hell yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> My job description. I can't wait. That's perfect. And now, of course, Alyssa. So what I really want to get into with you today... Um, I had been asking listeners of the podcast to be like, hey, I want to talk to somebody who has either done the IVF thing alone or who has just done single parented or has experienced freezing eggs and using them at a different day. Just some story other than your typical mom, dad, get married, have sex, have a baby, you know, story. Overwhelming amount of people were like, talk to Alyssa Garrison. She's got an incredible story. And I started reading about you and I was like, this is fascinating. So I didn't want to read too much because I really just I really just want to ask you about things. But you are a single mother by choice to your lovely daughter, Honey Rose, is correct? Summer, summer, Honey Rose. Summer, Honey Rose. Okay, okay. It sounds like a candle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a beautiful, cute little candle. Yes, yes. She really is like a sweet little candle in my life. (laughs) 
<laughs> so- oh, it's early in the morning. That was very lame. No, no, no. I'm into it. I'm into it. No, I like just so curious about this. Was motherhood something that you always envisioned for yourself? Yeah, I think I've always been like, I guess I would describe it as I always wanted almost like too much. Like even as a teenager, I had a hard time like being around people with babies because I felt like this uncomfortable, like, like I want this and it feels weird. And like, I don't know what to do with those feelings. And then as like, I got into my twenties and I was like, I guess more seriously dating as you do. And then that really is when it became like forefront of my mind. Like the biggest thing that matters to me in, in a relationship is like having a family hopefully soon, you know, like, um, yeah, I guess I always had this idea that I would like be a young parent. Um, mm-hmm. my parents were both like very young when they had me like 23 and, um, I grew up kind of thinking like, oh, that's the ideal. Like, you know, my parents are so fun and so energetic and like we go to the pool and like the other parents are sitting on the side. <laughs> my parents are in the pool with me. Like, yeah. that's what I want to be. Um, so I think I really like idolized that. And, um, yeah, so in my, in my head, I guess I was going to like meet someone, get married and have kids. Like by the time I was 25 Mm -hmm. was kind of what was in my head. And then as time went on and I kept having just not failed relationships, but like relationships that didn't go anywhere. And I dated like really all over the gender spectrum and talked with a lot of different partners about having a family, but it just never actually worked out it never happened so yeah I got to a point where after I turned 25 I was like oh really like feel like I've missed this deadline I hate missing deadlines (laughs) and hold on because I I have to ask a question because 25 is still it's still so young right and I mean everybody has a different perspective and a different ideal of when they want to start building a family and going to that next step but I mean at 25 I I mean, that's when I was pretty much scheduling my trip to go and meet lots of guys in Portugal and just have a fun time, right? And does your desire to have a family young, like, or does it come from, are you from a religious background or anything like that? No, I I think a big part of it is I did like a lot really young, really fast. And then by the time I was like in my 20s, I was kind of like, uh, I'm like ready for the next thing, I guess. Like Kylie Jenner. Um, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Maybe not quite as extreme. Yeah. I just felt like um, bored of it. I was like, I'm bored of being just like this young single girl or like in, in these relationships where the guys just want to like go hang out in bars where there's like, you know, cocaine everywhere (laughs) like you know I was just like this is not what I want to do anymore like I want to be a mom I want to have a family like I often wish that I'd been raised in a religious background I was like (laughs) I just lived in a small town and I was Christian I've been married years ago like this would have been so much easier I chose the wrong life (laughs) yeah that was that was a part of it and I guess also just, I wanted it so bad. I started wanting it so bad that like every day I woke up thinking about it. Wow. Every friend I had that got pregnant, like I was so happy for them, but also like, it just reminded me how far away I felt. Like it was an unreachable thing for me. And I guess the way I function is very like, 
if I come up with an idea, you cannot get it out of my head until I've achieved it. Like I will do anything to get to it. (laughs) So that's kind of like how I ended up where I am because I realized that like the only thing I can't do that with, like the rule of like the harder you work, the better it works out doesn't apply to relationships with other people. (laughs) There has to be like balance and you can't just like go at it full on and get what you want no matter what. Yeah, it it really was, I guess, probably from the time I was like 22, even it felt like it was something that weighed down every aspect of my life, because I just felt like something so massive was missing. That's fascinating. It felt like I, I this pull to like, I know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but I don't know how to get there. And then yeah, so then, in turn, every relationship I had, I put so much pressure on it because I wanted this end goal that the relationships often like didn't even get off the ground or that pressure like eventually imploded them, I guess. (laughs) I I, Honestly, I think it's so fascinating. And and a part of me is a little bit jealous at how bad you wanted that because I I never had that feeling, honestly. It was like when I was young, I, I did like really young, right? And I'd like play house and everything. But then in my 20s, I was like, oh, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know if I want to have kids. And if I do have kids, I'll just I'll adopt a kid or I'll foster or something. But I don't know that I ever want my own kids. And then it wasn't until Shane and I met because in past relationships, I was like, still don't want kids. When I met Shane, like we got married really fast because it just felt right. And then we had a kid after a year of being married and two years of being together. We had our first daughter. And again, that was just like, like, I want a baby now, right? Like you want a baby? And yeah. then we did, but I, I never had that intense pull. And then when I when I got pregnant, that's when I felt it. And it was like, I felt very maternal and everything did feel like I felt, you know, everything an in instinct and all these feelings just kind of flooded me. But until then, I didn't have that pull. And I, and I think that's so fascinating for a young woman, especially in this time. And especially, um, like you mentioned, you dated all around the gender spectrum. And traditionally, I mean, if we're thinking of nuclear families, you know, that's not what you, you think of. And I think of the people in my life that I know that are like really drawn to motherhood and things like that. And it's people from very like cis, straight, you know, that that type of yeah. family style. So I think that's so fascinating, too, because it almost seems at odds with the stereotypical. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. It it really like this, this desire, or I guess I would call it more of like a knowing of like what I wanted and, or what I was like meant to be, mm-hmm. to quote Moana. <laughs> Because we've all watched that so many times. It just like overrode everything else in my life. Like it really did. And I'd I'd say like, I remember having conversations where I'd be like, everyone would always say like, you're so young, you've got so much time, focus on your career, like go have fun. And like, yeah, like I'm kind of, I've had enough fun. And like, I've worked really hard on my career. Like I think for a long time, I put the energy that I wanted to put into mothering just like into my career because Mm -hmm. that's that's what the like society tells women to do now like when you're young you focus on your career build up your career and like you know that's your priority but for me it was always just like 
it was my priority, but it also felt like a means to an end. Like if I can get built up enough and save up enough money and hopefully have this work from home brand, that'll like work so well with having kids. Mm -hmm. Like it was always in my mind um, to like take that into consideration. Yeah. So it, it definitely did, I guess, transcend everything else about me that like, this is just at my core of what I want to do. And it is very rare, like, especially for women who aren't in serious partnerships, like you don't often hear women saying like out loud, you know, oh, what do you want? Like, you know, what are you planning? You're like, well, I just really want to have a baby. Like, I think there's this like baby crazy mentality built up around that. That's like, it's a bad thing for for a woman that isn't like in that position, even, even in that position, if they're with a partner who isn't ready or something, like it's something taboo to say. And I think it's really important for women to like be able to, if they feel that need, like claim it and talk about it and not have it be this kind of like secret thing that you're waiting for someone else to make a reality for you down the line, you know, because I felt I, I don't know. I drove myself a bit crazy being so confused about like how, what I cared about, what I wanted versus like what my life looked like. Mm-hmm. And people just didn't get it. Like anytime I was actually honest, which was pretty often because I'm like a pretty straightforward person. <laughs> the response was always just like, but why your life's <laughs> great. Like, you're out doing fun stuff every night. Like that'll go away. You know, you've got this career and it it was just so like, you've got time, wait. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you don't realize that all this time that I've got right now feels wasted because I'm not doing what I meant to be doing. And what was the response from your partners? (laughs) 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 Did you have, did you like, did you have one, you know, just like above the rest, terrible or hilarious response and any good ones? Like, were they, you know? Um. Yeah, well, I I would say I have like a good one. And then, yeah, there's a funny one. I, yeah, I definitely had a couple guys like on very early dates where I was like, this is a priority for me. Just be like, it's not a priority for me. And like, that's that, which is helpful. <laughs> it's nice to just like get it out in the open. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, I had a partner for my longest relationship was three years and that was like the closest I got to getting married and that partner was trans and I think yeah that was like a really good we were both on the same page we both wanted it Mm -hmm. but then throughout the time we were together that shifted a bit like with his gender identity and how comfortable like originally we were each going to carry a child and then he became like you know as a trans man I don't think I'm comfortable doing this and that caused like a big rift in our relationship in Mm -hmm. the end but he was definitely the most like open and considerate and like like welcoming of those ideas I guess Mm -hmm. of of everyone and then I dated a guy who was like he was very he was sweet but he was a mess like really he was a mess and he had (laughs) a lot of issues and um just I can't even really get into like the trajectory of how strange he was <laughs> but he was like he was like yeah I love you let's just do it let's just have a baby and I was like I just like I kept it was so hard because I was like oh this thing I want is so close but I'm just getting all these little red flags like do not do this with this guy yeah. like it's worth it not worth the trade-off 
So in the end, we did not <laughs> have a baby, obviously. But then uh, it's a couple of years down the line, his well, ex-partner now reached out to me and basically said she did have a baby with him, okay. like the person he dated after me. And she sent me a big message and said she wished she'd done it my way and done it on her own because wow. it was such a disaster. And now she's raising like their child on her own. So it's so I'm like, whoa, I could have literally been in that exact position, uh, you know, and somehow I ended up here. And then um, it's easy to idealize, like when you're in it alone, like, oh, maybe people with partners have it better. So I, I've gotten honestly a lot of messages from people being like, my husband's useless. I wish I just did it your way. Like, what was I thinking? I want to kick him out of my house right now. And yeah, if you, I, people, women really open up to me about that and, and kind of like how alone they feel even in a partnership. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess that was just like a getting those messages from her and having that conversation. I was, that was a reassurance that like, Absolutely. even though my path wasn't like traditional, it was the right one. Oh, it's incredibly illuminating too. And it kind of gives you, you know, like a different hindsight and just like that alternate reality that somebody else is kind of living in for yeah. you. Um, yeah. But I, I want to get to the decision to do it alone. Yeah. So what was the final... You know, not the final straw, but the final event or the final decision that you came up with in your head or something that was like, no, you know what? This isn't for me. I want this. I'm just going to go for it. Like, what did that look like? I can pinpoint the exact moment that it like fully clicked. Mm-hmm. And it was like sitting on my little balcony with my roommate and we were having wine. And I was, yeah, I was in this relationship with a guy that I wrote a lot about it on my blog and Instagram. He really like broke my heart, Oh man! but I was still in the thick of it. And it was very like, there was no chance this guy was even going to move in with me. Like there was no, like, there's no way that it was going to become something serious. And I really wanted it to. And I was just like obsessively talking about it as I like to do. (laughs) And I guess I clicked and just all of a sudden I said something like, it's almost like I care more about having a family than I do about having a relationship. Right. And important realization. Yeah. As soon as I said it, I was like, why haven't I just like thought of said that out loud before? Why have I been trying to pursue this like specific way that, you know, I guess because it's so normalized, that's just what you do. But then through that conversation that night, I started thinking like, well, maybe this is something I could just do on my own. Like I'm, you know, I've got a good career. I've like got a great apartment. I'm, I feel like I have a lot more than a lot of people that, you know, do it with a lot less and why not me? Like, why not now? I guess. And I think that realization was so important to me feeling like I finally taken control of this, like piece of my life that was just like spinning out of control in my mind all the time like how am I gonna get here how am I gonna get here and then all of a sudden I was like oh if I put this in my own hands it doesn't feel so like scary and unattainable anymore it feels like something that I can work towards which is what I live for you know I want to have how old are you at this point that was I was probably 26 I would say yeah Cause I, yeah, I'd passed that 25 deadline that I had in my head and I, and I was so just like, I just felt so like behind on, on just my own expectations, I guess. And yeah, I do have a very 
very, very high expectations and like specific expectations, I would say. And it's part like that drive that I have is what's made me successful in work. But it's also something that like makes relationships hard because I'm so full on um, about everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good thing. But so, it's, a, it's both. It's double-edged sword. Of course. Of course. Um, so, okay. So you make this decision, right? You're 26, having wine with your friend. You're like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do this on my own. And it was funny because when I was initially asking people for somebody with a great story in this vein, uh, I, w- I was just talking about IVF and things, and somebody sent me a message, correct me if I'm wrong, and they're like, yeah, talk to Alyssa, she did it the old-fashioned way. So how yeah. how do you go about deciding how you are going to become pregnant, and what was that entire, what was that experience? Like, I can't even imagine, because Madonna did that, right? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. She, I'm pretty sure she just like found a young, hot guy and was like, do you want to get me pregnant? I'm sure she probably I mean, said it more eloquently. I need to, I need to look into this. That sounds great. Okay. So yeah, from that point of it kind of clicking, I had very, like so many conversations with so many people about like, do you think this is actually a viable idea? And started kind of like saying it out loud, like, yeah, in the next couple of years, I think I'm going to have a baby on my own. And I had in my head like 27. If I wasn't in a serious relationship by 27, then I would like actively take steps. That was the trajectory. Right. Um, and then, yeah, that that relationship with that guy that I was very serious about ended I had like a few months of just kind of like being wild and free. Um, and then I, I lived in California for a while. I was like, I can't even, I'm just going to California. This is the only option right now. Yeah. And then I came back and yeah, I met another guy who I was like, oh, maybe him. He's really sweet. And then he, yeah, like literally a couple months into dating, completely disappeared, just ghosted wow. me. And that was just after my 27th birthday. So that was like official final straw. That's it. Like, I'm, I'm just going to do this. Like, I'm literally supposed to meet this guy at a Halloween party. He doesn't even show up. Like, why am I still dating these idiots? Like, yeah, no, absolutely. So, mad. so that was kind of like, that's it. I'm getting my life on track and I'm going to go for this. It's every like all that I want. So I went and saw my doctor who was like, it's really amazing woman And she, I think she was actually pregnant at the time, but she was so like receptive and sweet and did not in any way have any form of like, are you sure? Mm -hmm. Like at all. She was just like, okay, great. These are your options. Like I can refer you to to, like a fertility clinic if you want to go that route. And she said she had like a lot of patients that like were doing it already. She said she had like more than one woman that was doing it on her own. So that was really eye opening because- it's not something you hear about that much, but I think it's happening a lot more mm-hmm. now than like we even comprehend than I even comprehend. Yeah. So in my case, I decided I'm just not like a medical person. You know, you have to like drag me kicking and screaming to the hospital. If I have an emergency, <laughs> like I do not want to go. So I didn't like the idea if I could avoid getting pregnant in a clinical setting I hoped that I could. That was like kind of what I was like felt more comfortable with. So yeah, then the route for that is like having a donor and doing like 
insemination at home mm-hmm. or just sleeping with someone like yeah and just honestly doing like, insemination at home anyway yeah honestly I just say like the details aren't even that important to it like whatever you're comfortable with and however you get this however you get semen in there that's literally it there's no like exact science there's no people are like oh like wasn't it stressful like this how to figure out how to do it I'm like no you just get sperm up there that's it there's no like however you do it that's up to you but like that is the only rule that matters you know like I had a friend who was considering this for herself right uh and she she'd be a great mom and she she was really thinking that she wanted that and she was looking in at like she had signed up with a clinic and there was like a sperm catalog and it gave all of these guys like entire histories things like that it's like yeah do you consider that stuff when choosing a partner to procreate with or is it just like willingness and I mean, sperm availability? Yeah, yeah I, I know. I, I think the thing is with the clinic, it feels a lot safer for a lot of women because it has the like the sperm's been washed disease free you know, here's all the stats about the guy. It's, it's a lot more controlled and like in a world where like baby making, there is no control, but it's this one small thing that you can have, I think. Um, but the price is also like formidable. It really makes it so difficult, especially when you're going into single parenthood and like, you need all the money you can get to like, you know, have a nest egg and have a a backup plan, I guess. Like, I did not want to spend that much money if I could help it. I think they end up saying it. I don't know. I can't, I honestly can't even remember because when you have a baby, your brain forgets everything. (laughs) Oh, of course. I still have not recovered. I don't think I ever will. It was definitely thousands every month, you know, per pop kind of thing. And then they recommend doing it like twice every month. And then like, it usually takes around three months. Like, it would have been a it would have been a big investment and for an experience that like wasn't what I felt good about. But it is an option for sure. And a lot of people take it. I think the donor catalog in Canada is quite limited from what I saw. Um, because in the US you can get you get paid for a donating sperm, but in Canada it's just like a charity act. <laughs> so, and, the, and then and then you gotta ask yourself why are people yeah. donating if they're not getting paid I know it must in my head it must be I guess either someone's very kind or they're like I want to multiply <laughs> <laughs> I want to have unknown many like hundreds of unknown children related to and me running what? around if they if that brings them joy and I, I'm sure the process is fun it for them too, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, share the sperm for sure. <laughs> but yeah, there's like, there's so many routes. There's a website called coparent.com where you can literally like, it's like online dating, but you're matching with someone to like, get you pregnant. Wow. Literally, I I went on it, but I did not have like any matches in the end. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's like, and people, people do all sorts of things like you know, either there's, I can't remember what the like technical term for it, but there is guys who will say like, you know, I'll only do it if we have sex, like the natural way. Um, But then a lot of like, there was stories on there of like guys who have 
fathered like 15 different kids and like for different families and they suggest meeting up in like a neutral place like not letting someone come to your house so doing like a hotel or even like like if you're just doing a semen handoff and injecting it in there mm-hmm. in like a public bathroom like wow. at the guy to pass it out and then you're done it's so interesting like there's a whole world that doesn't get talked about that much of just people who want kids and are finding ways to do it, I guess. So for me, I ended up going like with a friend basically. And I guess a a lot of people are like, Oh, doesn't that scare you? Wasn't that more uncomfortable? Like what if he wants to be involved in your daughter's life to which I'm like, then good. Like Mm -hmm. I, we have a contract in place, which is the main thing that's kind of like, protects me from going after him for money or child support and protects him from going after me for any sort of parental rights. Like I'm the only parent on the birth certificate. Like I am her only parent. Um, And all of like his rights have been signed away. However, I never wanted to have this kind of like closed book. Like it's a big secret. Like if she, if she, says one day like where did I come from I don't want to have to make it like this taboo Mm -hmm. subject that we don't talk about because like I'm your only parent like and that's that (laughs) Um, I want to be able to say like oh this you know really kind person helped me out and like he's not your dad but he's the donor that like helped make you possible and um yeah he like he's met her he's very like involved very very from afar but is like involved and Mm -hmm. if she ever like has questions for him or or anything like that like he's willing and open to it and that I like that like Mm -hmm. I wanted to have that kind of personal aspect to it versus just being like he was a number in a book that's anonymous and like you'll never be able to have a conversation with him no matter how much you want to Mm -hmm. you know that just like right for me. But like, I understand why it does for other people very much. So. Okay, Alyssa, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by Mini Miosh. They're a premium, organic, ethically made and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity and they make the absolute best basics for your littles. It's awesome fashion. It's high fashion. High fashion. Honestly, they're wardrobe staples that are super soft, comfy, and timeless, and they can be passed from kid to kid regardless of gender. Their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low-impact, non-toxic dyes. Mini Miosh is on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it, and they believe that every little bit counts. And it looks freaking cute, too. You need to check out this shop. You're going to love it. Your kids will love it. Everyone We'll love it. I don't approve of the language, but I do agree with the sentiment. <laughs> so you can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. Use the promo code thisfamilytree15 for 15% off your order. This is available in Canada and in the US. And again, that is minimiosh.com and thisfamilytree15. But we're also supported by... Mabel's Labels. Frustrated by their children's things getting lost, mixed up, and leaving home never to return, Julie Cole and three other mom friends knew they could do better than just scribbling their kids' names on some masking tape. From there, Mabel's Labels has grown into an award-winning, market-leading company, loved by moms and dads and kids and babysitters and grandparents and teachers and whoever is dealing with kids in any capacity alike. And this is the time to be getting labels. I'm talking back to school, daycare, 
Lucy even started labeling herself. And uh, <laughs> I know we say these are 100% guaranteed and they're dishwasher safe and microwave safe, but it's outdoor camping safe too because she still has the same sticker on her. She went swimming for hours yesterday playing with another kid and the label stayed on her arm. Now, I don't think that particular situation is guaranteed by the company, but we're just saying from personal experience, I mean. They're high quality labels. <laughs> Their line of products features baby bottle labels, allergy and medical alert products, sports labels, household labels, and seasonal items. They are so durable, as she mentioned, laundry, dishwasher, and microwave safe, and they're 100% guaranteed. So head on over to mableslabels.ca to start creating your very own labels and use the promo code thisfamilytree15 for 15% off your order. They deliver internationally and offer free standard shipping in Canada and in the U.S. Again, that is mableslabels.ca and thisfamilytree15. And now let's get back to our interview with Alyssa. So like, you know, getting the contracts and things. So I assume there's like a huge legal portion of this, but I'm I'm curious about, you know, because those are those are like actual legal boundaries. But what about emotional boundaries? Because I think of, I don't know, like, are are you two just so set in how you want to handle things and you both know exactly how you want to go forward that there are no kind of lingering emotions like, oh, I wish he was more involved, less involved, or he's thinking, I wish I was more involved or less involved, or like, how do you protect yourself from that kind of thing? I mean, yes, there definitely is stuff like that. It definitely ended up, there were points that were messier than I would have like hoped, Mm -hmm. but then there were a lot of points where things were just like smooth sailing. And I think to that, I'd just say like, that's life. Mm -hmm. Like, no matter what the situation is, like it's going to be emotional and it's going to be complicated. And even if you're just like, man, woman, get married, have a baby, like so much comes up from that, like so much challenges you and like catches you off guard. And I think the benefits of having it be someone that I was comfortable with and that was a friend and that like down the line can be like reachable and loosely involved that just feels that felt better to me than trying to be like it was just me 100% and you know no one else was ever involved but that's just me and like my comfort level I know like I've had a lot of other single parents by choice kind of be like oh that must be so like difficult that you you know have someone else involved I'm like well I don't yeah again you're the only parent on the birth certificate it's it's yeah. only you if you want it to be right like yeah and it's looking like probably maybe he'll see like if she wants to and if he wants to it'd be like they see each other maybe once a year you know it's not like we have dinner every Sunday together and it's <laughs> like sometimes we're family and sometimes we're not it's not at all like that he qualifies himself as like the weird uncle and okay. I'm like perfect and so Great. you, like you were kind of describing, you know, that's not your dad. This is the the donor. Is that how you would go about as summer's like getting older? That's how you'd go about describing that situation? Yeah, that's how I go about describing it now. Like even people would be like, so what about her dad? And I'm like, donor, no dad. <laughs> like he's explicitly not a dad. And I guess that also has shifted a bit now that I'm she's so young and I'm dating someone quite seriously. So if that continues to like go in the direction it's going, that's where it gets complicated for me. I have no issue with just being like, this is how you were conceived. 
there's mm-hmm. this donor guy if you want to chat with him like it's not that he didn't want to be your dad he just like didn't want to be a dad at all and that's very much to help you and that's beautiful in its own way yeah yeah no it was it was honestly like the biggest gift anyone can ever give anyone but the thing that is more complicated for me now is like she's growing up with this guy around that by all accounts she's gonna think is her dad and then at what point are we like well like yeah he's like your he's like our chosen dad but then but like there's genetically you're not actually connected that's like a little more for me that's a lot more daunting Mm -hmm. but it's something that like mixed families like families are so 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 all over the spectrum these days and it doesn't that's why like her being created the way she was like yeah I don't think it's that weird because like every I think every kid is growing up with like such like interesting varied families now it's not that out of the ordinary that she isn't like this hetero product of this marriage relationship but yeah the introducing like someone else that's been like a whole that's been such a challenge honestly because I had this sure vision that I was just like by myself for at least like a few years I kind of pictured maybe like meeting a hot dad at like the school drop-off when she yeah. went to kindergarten, you know, I, was, I, <laughs> I like, like that. Well, I like that vision. I'm like divorced hot dad. That's how it's going to happen. And I really thought until she was school age, it would mostly, it would mm. just be like her and I. Yeah. And then Johnny just threw everything off. <laughs> you know, I was going to ask this later, but I'm going to, I'm going to get into it now. How do you introduce that in a new relationship? Like, and, and what's the reception like? Cause that's a conversation that I've never even thought about having. And I'm just thinking about it now. Like, I don't know how I'd navigate that. Yeah. So I had it like quite in plain writing on my online dating profiles. Okay. But then I met Johnny in person. He works at a bar and I went out to that bar and it it was super like, you know, fireworks, the whole thing. And uh, we started chatting like right away every day. But I kind of woke up the next morning, like super hungover, like, <laughs> um, number one, I didn't even know his name. <laughs> That's amazing. I was like, what's your name? And also, I don't think I mentioned I have a kid, like, because <laughs> I was just out having a good time yeah. and I'm not like, by the way. <laughs> of course. So then I was like, I don't want to tell him on text. It's for sure going to scare him away. So we talked. We ended up talking for two weeks before we went on our first date. And he did not know I had a kid. And I didn't tell him because it felt like a weird thing to just text. Mm -hmm. And luckily, the weird part that, like, made all of this work in the end is of all the people in the world who would ask what your Instagram handle is, like when you meet someone and you're early dating, that's what you ask. Like, what's of your Instagram? I'm going to yeah. follow you. You got to creep he, them. You got to lurk them out. and Yeah, but he's kind of anti-Instagram, I guess. Oh, so like awesome. I got the one in a million guy who didn't ask. Because if he'd asked what my Instagram was, the it's up. like all my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and like me pregnant at that point. And like... He, I would have had to have that conversation and it, I honestly don't think things would have moved forward because he would have been like too thrown off, but luckily he did not ask. Mm -hmm. I met him for our first date and about 20 minutes in, 
I think following him saying like, God forbid I ever become a parent. (laughs) I was like, I should probably tell you something um, about my life. So yeah, I told him I had a daughter. And in that initial date, I said like, I'm just looking for like fun, honestly, like someone to hang out with completely separate from my life with my daughter. I'm not looking for like a dad for her. I'm not looking for someone to complete us. Like, I just want to go on dates and like have sex. (laughs) Honestly, like I just stopped breastfeeding and I was like, I'm ready to get back in the game. (laughs) And and your family, you know, like you really did. I'm assuming just from what you always wanted to probably felt so complete after having your kid. And like, that's the thing. You're, you're the family unit. You're the nuclear family, the two of you, right? Like that's how you're going into this. Mm-hmm. I expected to have moments where I'd, you know, she'd take her first steps or something and I'd like be sad that I wasn't sharing it with someone else. Mm-hmm. And in the end, like there were a lot more times where I felt genuinely like, I'm so glad it's just us. And I don't have to worry about anyone else's emotions or sex drive or needs or, or, or schedule right now. It's literally 100% of my energy is like just going to her. Yeah. And I'm still like, I'm really grateful that we had it that way because it was like such a special experience to like just 100% be in it. And that's that. So I did tell him and he, I think because I really laid on, like, it's just you and me, you don't even have to meet her. I just want to hang out. He was like, okay. And I did actually have my sister like waiting outside in the car in case he was like, what you lied to me no and I was so nervous I was so I like could not stop shaking uh, when I told him but in the end he decided to stay I said like if you want to leave you can leave it's okay he decided to stay and we had this like really great epic first date of just like you know going from place to place and and really yeah so then hilariously on our second date he stayed over at my place. My sister had my daughter. And again, I don't know. It was so funny. We met up on the second date and he'd like been doing so much thinking and like agonizing, honestly, about these details of like, I'm just like, if I were to get more involved in your life, like, am I ready to become a father? And I was like, I said that you didn't have to worry about this. Like, I'm not even worried about these things. Like, mm-hmm. you just hang out. And he couldn't get past it. He took it so seriously. And I think that's kind of, it was only the second date, but I was like, oh, this is going to be something more than just mm-hmm. a fling. Because clearly, like, this guy's got, like, a good heart. And he's he's more invested in this than I am at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, really I'm not even thinking about how he plays into Summer's life. Like, I just want to go on cute dates. Like, that's it. <laughs> and wait, how how old is Summer at this time when you met Johnny? Oh, that was a great question. She was like, yeah, just about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the end, that day, like the morning after the second date, she was coming back to the apartment and I was like, I mean, you can stay if you want. And I think I said something like, even if you do meet her, she's still the age where she's not going to remember if things <laughs> don't work out. So like, it's true. It's not that big of a deal in the end. Yeah. And he was really, you could tell he was like, do I grab my things and go? Uh-huh. And then he was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to stay. And it was this weird shift all of a sudden, like, yeah, this is going to be like a serious thing. This is going to, this is going to be more than we both thought 
think. And yeah, he met her. He like instantly just like fell in love with her. Probably like more quickly than he fell in love with me. Like he <laughs> loves her so much. He loves her like too much. Like, remember me? That's <laughs> this so is cute. supposed to be about fun dating. But yeah, honestly, like he's just kind of fallen into our family and I don't think any of us were ready for it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, now it's just like this super weird, unexpected, nice, like I somehow ended up in this like traditional family setup, even Des- though yeah, despite I did not plan for it at all. Yeah, he just moved in officially to our place that we got together like the, a couple days ago. Oh, geez. So, well, congrats. That's, it, uh, it, that's it, huge. It's official. Yeah. Yeah. It, that official step of like him bringing all his mm. stuff was like, oh, this is really, we've been together every day for ages, but that's like the, the serious step, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I, I want to ask, like that was after, you know, you said a year and a half and yes. what if I picture raising a child alone, I think- the scariest part for me would be the first year, the first four months postpartum. Because, well, just for me, that it was so tough. Like with my eldest, I had um, postpartum anxiety. With my youngest, I was just like, just fucking wiped, right? So exhausted all the time. And it's hard. Yeah, but but it's hard. Even with the one, like I had a terrible episiotomy. So it took a long time for me to recover. But what was your support system like? In the beginning, like who do you rely on people? Do you hire a doula? Is is it just you? Like how, how do you deal with that? Yeah. So I did have a doula, but she only came by postpartum once. Um, my main system was my family, even though they're all Vancouver based and I was in Toronto at that mm-hmm. time. Everyone came out for the birth, which ended up being like a c-section um like an, an a planned c-section i guess but like just by default because summer was breach and they tried to turn her and then they were like so we should just do a c-section because you're already in the or sure, yeah. like, okay so other than that c-section was a big curveball because like you're not supposed to do much by yourself <laughs> i was just gonna say you can't even like pick up your baby no, you can only pick up your baby, but you can't pick them up in a car seat. Like there's so many things that you're not supposed to go up downstairs and like my kitchen and my bedroom are on different levels. Oh, but my parents, my mom ended up staying with me for like a full, almost three weeks of, mm-hmm. of the like six week healing time. And my sister came out, my best friend came out. And then I had one week left with no, no one like staying with me, but I ended up flying back to Vancouver with newborn summer, just to have like a little bit more family support. And then I went like back to being alone. So I would say that first, like the first six weeks for me was like, honestly, it was a breeze. Like I really, really, I just like cuddled with summer all day. And my, like the people in my life, like really built, built me up and like helped so much. And I think because I didn't have a partner, i taken special care to like make sure I had all that in place like even aside from my family like friends just like bringing meals and helping um, with anything I needed like constantly the dog like everything like that so I think it was almost an advantage that I was on my own because I thought I had to be like what are all the things involved in this that I can make sure that it's like a positive experience 
Um, and my mom's just like such a badass. She was so good about like, you know, getting me out of the house and like comfortable doing stuff on my own and like really making sure that I was going to be set up kind of thing. That's um, amazing. Yeah. And then, yeah, I would, I would honestly say for me, it's such an opposite experience to so many women, but the first six months was like my very favorite time. Like I just strapped summer on and like, you know, went to all the same events that I went to before I had a kid. And I, I really, I'm such like a baby mom. Like Mm. I thrive with like the teeny tiny, just like snuggle every day is like a loop of nothingness life that I really loved it. And I know so many people do not, but for me, it, that wasn't the hard part. The hard part was when she started moving. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would say like, when she started moving and I didn't have family support and all of a sudden I was like, wait, how do I get everything done in a day now that she's like going and getting into danger? Like what, what do I do here? Um, so that was like the big, that was the big adjustment time for me in that first year of when she became mobile and was just like trying to fall down mm-hmm. things. Oh yeah. They, they, they try to commit suicide like five times a day. It's impossible. Honestly, you're like, where's your will to live? Like what evolutionarily, like this doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense. It makes zero sense. You should sense. just be like sitting at my feet in fear of the world. <laughs> like, Why are you going over there? I, I definitely baby life really suited me. Toddler life is definitely more of a struggle. So I'm very grateful that we now live where my family is. Um, my mom kind of like comes over and helps once a week so I can work and Johnny's like awesome. And my sister is around a lot. So yeah, it worked out well. I really, yeah. Toddler life is, I, I struggle because I'm such like a, a stubborn and like specific person myself that like butting heads all the time of like, what do you mean you want to do that? Like, this is what I planned for today. Like I'm learning. It's a great learning experience. It's a good learning experience. Yeah. No, it's, it's well, it (laughs) it drives you nuts. It absolutely drives you nuts, but it's good. And you know, I'm like you, I really love just sticking a baby in a carrier. I'm like the carrier queen. I think I'm like, I don't know. A lot of people have more than me, but I have like eight carriers and I love like matching them with my outfits, just sticking the baby inside and just doing things. And it, that was like so easy because they just sleep the whole time. You look cute. They're just snuggly and it was nice. And so you obviously had such a supportive group around you, you know, that, that village that it takes, but was everybody's initial response positive when you made your decision? Honestly, I had one friend that had a negative response and like shortly after we stopped being friends because it just, it, yeah, it was just like, you know, I said I was going to start trying and she was very like, come on, you're going to meet someone any day. And I was like, that's not the energy I want in my life right now. (laughs) Like, because that's not like just meeting someone, even if you do like rush and have a kid right away, because that's what you want. Like that doesn't solve all your problems. It doesn't instantly mean that you're going to have this like really great supportive partnership that works for everybody. Like I I just, I very much believe that like having a partner isn't necessarily better Mm -hmm. than not. I think that there's like a give and take in both situations, like just like being single versus being in a relationship. Yeah. There's pluses and minuses, but overall, overall, everyone was really supportive. I think everyone that like knew me and cared about me 
like and loved me knew how much I wanted it and it had already been like years at that point of me just saying like this is what I want this is what I want I don't know how to get it you know I had like I was so anxious all the time honestly like I was and I I was on anxiety medication at points like and then after I had summer I it was like a fog like lifted off of my life and I was for the first time just like happy that's and finally like I felt like I stopped fighting, you know, I was like, oh, I'm not like fighting so hard anymore. And everybody that cares about me, like, I think knew like this, this is what you want. And like, you're going to be really good at it. And we're going to help you in any way we can. And like, yeah, my, I was very overwhelmed by like the love in my community and how supportive and kind and nobody really said like, I don't think you can do it. Mm -hmm. No one ever said anything like that. I think there were people in my life that thought like it wasn't actually going to happen. It's like, oh yeah, we support you. But it was like, (laughs) oh, she'll meet someone or she'll like get caught up in something else. It's not actually going to happen. And my best friend, when I called her, she was just, she couldn't believe it. She, she lives here. And at the time I was still in Toronto and she was just like, shocked that I'd actually gone through with it and done it like I feel like she had to put the phone down for a minute (laughs) but she just had her first baby and it's like really cool now to swap notes and like and yeah but so it all worked out and I honestly don't think I didn't really have any like super negative feedback I mean I've gotten online I got messages from trolls who were very clearly like angry online sucks (laughs) People suck online, though. That's just you can't even count that. Yeah. Men love to say like with some sort of fake name on their account, something like you're such a selfish woman depriving a child of a father. And I'm like, well, how many fathers like don't show up for their kids at all, though? Like having a father doesn't mean you have a good one. And now I have the opportunity to like choose, you know, the a good dad for my kid, like later on now that I feel like I'm really like settled and yeah I don't know well no honestly Alyssa your story is so beautiful and it's such a a beautiful birth story for summer and I, I think everything about it is so incredible and I think you should write a book I would read it and I want to I do want to ask if there was and this is the last question I'll ask you um but if you had advice for any women who are considering doing the same thing what what would you tell them I mean my practical advice is like don't be afraid to honestly like invest in childcare in some way I had this whole idea that like because I wanted it so much and I waited so long that I should spend like every waking minute with my child, you know, I was like yourself in the ground. I can't have a nanny. I can't take her to daycare. What's the point of having a kid if I'm just gonna go drop her at daycare? Like, you know, what was all this for? And I think that like is not a good way to think. It's so important to have balance. And again, once she started moving, I was like, I can't do work with her here how am I going to do this in my head? Like I would just be on my computer working and like shooting content and she'd just be like happily playing in the background. Yeah. And that's, it's just not the reality. You have to have time away 
you know, to be a good parent, really, like, I'm so much, I'm such a better parent when she's like gone and hung out with my mom for the day. And then I get her back. And it's like, Oh, I'm back. Um, I'm not this like overdrawn, like angry person (laughs) anymore. Um, So that would be my big, like practical advice is just like set yourself up with some form of childcare. And even if you don't end up taking it, at least you've given yourself the option and that freedom which obviously cost wise, it's difficult, but it is something I wish I'd like budgeted and planned for. And then, yeah, but like non-practically I, yeah, I would just say like, if you feel like it's right, then it probably is. And no, like nobody could have said anything to me that would have changed my mind once I decided like, this is right. And, and now looking back, I think about it all the time. If I'd waited or, you know, ended up being with someone and like someone else, I, yeah, I probably would have eventually had kids. I'd probably by now, hopefully would have had a kid, but it wouldn't have been summer. And like, she, it would have been like a different kid and not that I'm like, Oh, I wouldn't have loved that kid. No, but it, it is different to think about that. It's hard. Yeah. And she, that exact moment, me making that decision and like all the stars aligning and going with like the friend that I did in the end, like it truly feels like she was like I don't know waiting somewhere it was like meant meant to come to me like she really is extraordinary and um yeah like changed my life in every way and it it just feels like all that time I was fighting like I was fighting for her I guess Mm -hmm. no this this is why there needs to be a book Unless there already is, there needs to be one. It's something that is like in the works, but honestly, writing a book with a kid is so hard. I've been trying it for six months, and I'm currently on I'm currently on hiatus. Yeah, it's literally impossible. I'm like, when she goes to school, I'll write the book. (laughs) It's ridiculous. That'll be so nice. (laughs) And I I really do. I want to say that uh, I think what you said about investing in childcare if you can, is so important, even though, you know, you, you can't tell yourself, oh, I wanted this so bad. So I need to take advantage of every second. Cause I've heard that from, you know, friends or just people I've spoken with that suffer yeah. from infertility or multiple miscarriages, whatever. And then they feel almost guilty when they do that. But if you want your family to flourish, you have to flourish and yeah. you need time to do work. You need time to be alone. You need all that. So I think that's so important. Yeah, it really is. But Alyssa, where can listeners go and find you and keep up with your extraordinary story and everything that you do? I am at random acts of pastel on Instagram, like uh, random acts of kindness, but pastel. (laughs) That's me. That's the best. And Thank you so much for sitting down talking with me. I'm, I'm so glad we had this conversation. This was not only like great content for the listeners that are listening right now but it was for me like this has just been so much fun so thank you oh thank you very much for having me it was really nice oh hell yeah and enjoy the rest of your trip right now I will yeah (laughs) I'm so excited heck yeah we'll take care Alyssa it's so nice chatting with you nice to meet you (laughs) see you later there was Alyssa Amazing, wow. right? I, I, I said it in the beginning, opening. I love interviews like this. Same. And I, I really liked how candid she was talking about everything. It's just fascinating. Well, it's, it's it's a type of family that I never imagined for myself. And I don't know that I could. Uh, and I'm so 
Well, she did what a lot of people think about doing, yes. but it just seems like something out of a movie. But she actually did that thing. I think it's so courageous. Bottom line, I think it's incredibly courageous. And obviously, she has so much love to give. And I'm so happy that her story has worked out the way it has because it's it is awesome. Yeah, ditto. But who who's next on the docket? Well, next on the docket, baby, we got Jen Sino. Let's talk about periods. Let's talk about hormones and why the hell they're so hard to understand. Have I mentioned you get exclamation points and not periods? Oh, oh the same reaction. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Uh, but before we get to this interview, let's tell everyone who we are supported by. We are supported by my breast friend. They are the number one choice of nursing pillow for millions of parents around the world who nurse their babies. Now, breast in my breast friend is spelled completely normal, correct? Uh, no, Shane. Good question. What? It's spelled B-R-E-S-T. There is no A. Don't forget it when you're typing in because you want to make sure you get the correct pillow here. For more than 25 years, my breast friend's patented wraparound design. So it like wraps around and clips on you and it just stays put. But it supported people in over 40 countries and thousands of birthing hospitals to support successful nursing. Lactation consultants, me and Shane and, you know, friends of mine that have also used the pillow, we credit it for helping us achieve longer and more comfortable feeding cycles than we all thought possible. It's simply the best, most supportive choice for successful breastfeeding. You can purchase My Breast Friend online at buybuybaby.com, target.com, walmart.com, babylist.com, and amazon.com. And now let's get to our interview with Jen Sino. All right, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, well, it's funny because I've been talking about hormones as kind of like a, like a tertiary topic when speaking to a lot of other experts, but I haven't actually spoken to a hormone expert so far. Do you know um, Lauren Everts Bostick? She does the Skinny Confidential. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, yes. so I had her on and she was talking all about hormones postpartum and how I got to get my hormones checked because I was suffering from the same thing she was and I still haven't. So this is so great. And before we get into everything, how did you get into this work? Yeah, so it kind of goes back honestly to when I was a teenager. So I suffered from period problems, very typical period problems from the age. I mean, to be honest, since I first got my period, I think I was about 12 when I got my period. So really heavy period, really painful period. And when I got into grade nine, some of my friends were on the pill and like, you know, for their periods, right? Yeah, yeah. For their periods. And of course there's like, obviously some pressure, <laughs> some social pressure there to fit in. And I would beg my mom to go on the pill and I would say, you know, it's for my periods and blah, blah, blah. So she eventually caved and I went to the doctor. I don't remember being tested. I don't remember being asked many questions. They just handed me over a prescription for the pill and I took it for seven years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that rings so true, I think, for me and a lot of my friends in high school, too, because I was on the pill when I would think was 16 or 17 for period problems because it was so painful. And it was like the first line of defense for me. And then just like a lot of my friends and some went on because of acne or whatever. And then I was on it until I was uh, 23. And then I just, I haven't been on it since. Yeah. Yeah. So I got off when I was 21. Thank goodness. Someone told me that 
after seven years, your fertility is cut in half. And that scared me. Is that true? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that is scary. Yeah. Um, I mean, it can definitely affect your fertility because of how it depletes your nutrients and, and ruins your gut and all that kind of stuff. But I kind of always had it in my head that like seven years and then I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, or else I probably would have stayed on for a long time. And when I came off of it, that's when all the symptoms started coming up. So acne, my hair was falling out in chunks. I had severe, severe digestive issues. And I didn't connect the two until many years later when mm-hmm. I started doing it for my job and not even necessarily the hormone aspect, but just the health and the nutrition. And I started seeing more studies and a little bit more research. And then of course, Instagram, there's lots of hormone talk, especially over the last year or two. And that's kind of when the light bulb kind of went off in my head. And I was like, Oh my God, had I known this, Mm -hmm. I would have saved myself so much pain, so much time, so much aggravation. And so it kind of just manifested that way Mm -hmm. where I created a program that I wish I had essentially. So what is, what is this program? Yeah. So it's called fit period. It is a 12 week program. Um, so three months long and essentially what the, the woman who joins does when they come in is they do a really thorough symptom analysis. We kind of look at all areas of the body. So digestive system, thyroid, adrenals, blood sugar, And they essentially tell me where they're experiencing symptoms and the severity and frequency of it. We go through their health history. um, And I essentially try and pinpoint root causes. And from there, I build their protocol. Um, Taylor, who is my assistant coach, she's a registered nutritionist. She builds their meal plan based on their hormone balance and their symptoms as well. Because certain foods do certain things in the body, right? I talk to women all the time who are like, well, I'm eating clean and I'm exercising but it is so much more complex than that. So she builds the the nutrition program. I build them a fitness program. And then we basically coach them through, support them through the 12 weeks. And there's a really big education aspect to it as well. That was really, really big for me. Even when I was a personal trainer, just in the gym, starting out, I always told my clients, you can train with me for the next 10 years, but it better be because I'm funny. (laughs) You like hanging out with me and not because I haven't taught you anything. (laughs) Right. So that's a really big part of it is the education. So they have a course, we do weekly workshops. I have guest experts in. Um, So there's a really, really big education component to it because I want them to feel empowered and understand Mm -hmm. how their body works. And so many women end up going to their doctors for all these things that we experience and we get gaslit or we get, you know, shoved aside and none of us have any answers. And a big part of this because we're never taught anything about our bodies. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's really hard to feel like you have control over the outcomes of your health when you, you don't even know left from right. So mm-hmm. that's a really, really big piece for it. Well, that's, you know, a huge point to make because even until quite recently, like you know, 100 and something years ago, not that long ago, women were still just getting told they had hysteria and doctors were essentially fingering them or using a vibrator to get them to calm down. And that was the actual treatment, right? And that's how vibrators, I believe, came to be. I have to fact check that, but I think that's why vibrators were invented. So your, your program's fit period, is it like fit, like period, like as in that's what you're going to be or like does 
period and do periods have a component to this as well? Yeah, that's actually such a good question. And no one's ever asked me that, like where <laughs> I came up with the name. <laughs> so I, when I was, you know, thinking up a name, it just came to me when I was in the shower, which most of my ideas do. I, I kind of wanted to take a spin on the fitness aspect because prior to creating this program, I was just kind of your average fitness coach, right? I didn't know too much complexities about hormones or about women's health or anything like that. And so the way we're taught as personal trainers is, you know, you want to lose weight, you eat less calories or you mm. exercise more, right? You build, you, you build muscle and it's just very simplistic and it's such a disservice to so many women. So I wanted to put a twist on that where, you know, you can you can basically incorporate your hormones in your period and your period is telling you what's going on in your body. You know, if you have a really a painful period, that's telling you something about your health. If you have a really light period, if you have no period, right? There's all these different ways that our period is telling us what is going on mm -hmm. and it's giving us clues every single month. And so I kind of wanted to put that all together into you know, essentially a fitness and nutrition program, which obviously it's progressed into this whole educational aspect too, but really teaching women again about how your, your fitness should change throughout the month because your hormones are doing different things. And there's a lot more to fitness than just how much you eat and how much you exercise and all these other things, your gut health, your liver health, your mental health, all those things need to come first because if you're just cutting calories and, and stressing yourself out by over-exercising, it's going to keep making things worse and worse and worse. So it's kind of this marriage of all these different ideas and concepts of being fit, whatever that means to you, being healthy, whatever that means to you, having confidence, but also having that, again, that background, that education, that empowerment about something that we are essentially shamed into talking into mm -hmm. not talking about, right. Yeah. We're embarrassed absolutely. to talk about it and no one, no one talks about it. <laughs> no one talks about it. So they just suffer in silence. So, okay. So you mentioned you're like, um, you know, what your period, what's going on with your period is saying something about your health. What, what can my period tell me about my health and why don't I know this? I know so little, I mean, I learned a lot through pregnancy and postpartum, about my body and functions and things like that, which is like so embarrassing that it takes so long. But other than my own experience, like you said, we don't really talk about it. I think we have a couple lessons in like grade seven and then that's it. But what can we learn about ourselves or about our health from our periods? Like why is this all so convoluted to understand as well? Right. Yeah. I mean, our period can tell us so many different things. It's obviously going to be different for each woman, depending on the conglomerate of symptoms that you're experiencing, but you know, it'll tell you a lot about your estrogen levels, right? Do you have high estrogen? Do you have low estrogen? If you have, you know, painful periods, you probably are high in possibly estrogen and prostaglandins, which create that cramping feeling. If your period lasts a day or two and it's super light, you might have low estrogen. If you're spotting before your period, you might have low progesterone, it might make it more difficult to conceive or, or, or carry a child. If you have painful ovulation, if you're really bloated and constipated and moody, if you have P PMDD, for example, which is essentially PMS on steroids, that usually comes out around ovulation too. What's that stand for? Sorry, I've never heard of that. 
Yeah, it's called um, PMDD and it stands for premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So it is literally PMS on steroids. So your hormones are essentially so imbalanced that you are experiencing really extreme symptoms. And the majority of those symptoms are usually emotional and mental. You still have the physical symptoms, but so many women I have talked to and who I've worked with, with PMDD, they always are just hyper-focused on the mental aspect because it's like the physical takes a backseat mm-hmm. because the mental, the mood swings, the irritability, the depression is so severe that they don't even care how they physically feel because it's just taking over their life okay, every so single month. This It's only clicking in now. So I wrote a post on my Instagram like last week or two weeks ago about how my postpartum periods have been so awful. Not like the period part is worse, but like whatever, I can deal with it. Like it's longer, it's heavier. But the PMS, I've never been a, like I've, I've gotten a little bit of PMS. It's never been a huge problem for me. Postpartum, I am getting like ragey and I like keep it all in until like the steam starts coming out of my ears and I'm just so angry for stupid things, like for stupid things. And somebody uh, was commenting, a couple people were commenting how they had PMDD. That's it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. so, okay, because I had never heard of that until this moment. I don't think I have that. Maybe I just have really bad PMS. And as somebody who has never really experienced it, maybe this is just how I handle it. I don't know. How, how do you tell the difference between PMDD and PMS? Yeah, it's essentially a a list of symptoms that your doctor would go through and they just figure out if it's PMS or more severe symptoms. You can obviously get your hormones tested to see, you know, your it's usually an estrogen thing. Your estrogen is super high. So you can you can go through testing and kind of see what is, I guess, going wrong. Uh, But it usually does come down to how well your body is detoxing, right? our hormones are being pulsed throughout the day. As women, we are creating hormones all day, every day. And if those hormones aren't leaving the body when they need to, they just keep recirculating, right? And then they become super, super imbalanced and they just build up and build up. And every single day that passes, it gets worse and worse. So a, a lot of women experience really bad periods or a change in their periods after they are pregnant or give birth, which can be, again, caused by so many different things. That's why it's so important to, to take each woman as their own and, and really talk about their experiences and not just, you know, refer them to a lab to get their blood work done. Right. Because for example, if you have a really traumatic pregnancy or a traumatic birth, those stress levels are going to be affecting your hormones, right? You might have postpartum thyroiditis and, and end up having really, really heavy periods, right? There's so many factors that go into it, which is why, again, a lot of doctors, firstly, they're not usually trained in kind of the holistic remedies, but you know, you also have to think about, I guess the business model, we'll call it of a traditional doctor, right? You have 10 minutes in the office and then it's on to the next. They don't really have the time. They're not given the time to sit down Mm -hmm. and actually dig deep into your lifestyle, your diet, your exercise, your stress, like all the things that are going to be essentially contributing to this. So again, there's so many different reasons why it could happen. And it's really about you taking a step back and being like, okay, what has actually changed other Mm -hmm. than obviously having a baby, right? What, what has changed? Have I stopped prioritizing my self-care, my 
my stress management and am I not eating enough anymore? Cause I'm so busy with the kids. Am I not drinking enough water? Right. Again. Yeah. It's really important to look at the individual woman as her own and on her own journey. Okay. So you mentioned something that I need clarification for, cause I'm a total lay person when it comes to this, but you said when our hormones are pulsing throughout the day and if they don't leave the body, then they'll just keep building up. What do you mean? Leave the body? Like what is, what is that process? Cause I have no idea. Yeah. So we essentially detox through peeing, pooping and sweating, right? So what I, what I see very, very often in my work is women with gut issues. They're constipated. Um, they're really bloated. And again, if you're not pooping every single day, a lot of that estrogen is essentially metabolized in the gut. Mm -hmm. So if your gut bacteria is off, if you're constipated, that estrogen has nowhere to go, right? It's not actually leaving the body, right? And it just, mm -hmm. again, kind of recirculates and it just builds and builds along with, you know, all the other toxins that we are exposed to in our beauty products or cleaning products that act like estrogen in the body too, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So it's, again, very multifactorial, but it layers and layers and layers. So it's always, again, about getting to that root cause and starting with the gut because if it's not leaving the body, where is it going? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's such a great point. I've never thought about that at all. And I know, you know, like talking about women postpartum and what are you doing that has changed other than having a baby. I know that initially I was not eating enough and it wasn't even conscious. Like I didn't even realize I thought I was eating enough because I was eating whenever I went in the kitchen, but it like, first of all, I'm grabbing snacks in between breastfeedings and things like that. I'd always have a good breakfast because that, that really helped my milk production. But after that, it was like, I, you know, I'd snack here and there, but I wasn't actually sitting down for a proper meal. And right. my doctor was telling she's like, Alex, this is going to wreak havoc on your body. She's like this because mm -hmm. I asked her and, and here's the thing, like, you know, I, I didn't. I didn't feel good. I felt really sluggish. And I wasn't, like with my first baby, the weight came off like that. And that is such a side factor. Like it was something that I thought was important at that time that I'm like, oh, this really isn't important at all other than the fact that you don't have to get new jeans. But with my second baby, I ended up having to get new jeans because, I mean, nothing was really changing after I got the baby weight out of there and all the extra blood out of there my weight kind of stagnated. And I was curious about it. So I was talking to my doctor and she said, well, not eating enough is going to cause that to happen. And I know hormones can play into this as well, but what's, what's the connection there? Yeah. So, I mean, again, let's think about this intuitively. So you've just spent nine months growing a baby, right? Feeding that baby. Yeah. And you know, you've probably spent a couple months beforehand getting your body prepped and taking your prenatals and your omegas and doing all the things, right? And then you grow this child and this child steals all your nutrients. It steals your vitamins. It steals your minerals. A lot of women become mineral deficient. And then you give birth to the baby and those nutrients aren't repleted, right? Because mm -hmm. not only are you maybe not taking your supplements as seriously as you were beforehand, but now you're not eating as well as you were beforehand. Right. And again, it is like this domino effect. And then you throw on maybe a bad pregnancy, a super nauseating pregnancy on top of that, where you literally can't stomach anything. And again, it just builds and builds and builds. And then all of a sudden everything else gets thrown to the wayside. 
and you feel like complete shit. Can I say that? Yes, say shit. <laughs> and and here's the thing, because you know, I I know this is a podcast where I want the masses to be educated, but just to bring my own personal experience into it, I had a really tough pregnancy. I had a hyperemesis gravidum, so I was throwing up constantly. I couldn't eat anything. I was eating like white pasta, bread, butter. I was eating pancakes. Like I'd go to McDonald's at lunch and I'd just get pancakes because I couldn't stomach anything else. And it was brutal. So I I wasn't, I was only taking my prenatals as supplements. So I know for a fact I wasn't getting what I needed. And then, you know, coming out of pregnancy and then into postpartum, like I said, having this just it's like a constant bloating that just it feels it makes me feel sluggish and it just it wasn't good and now I'm getting these crazy periods mm-hmm. yeah so I mean my advice to you again personal advice not knowing your background or not knowing anything about your health history I would a hundred percent just be focusing on that gut health obviously eating and and making time to be eating and nourishing your body too but really working on the gut health, incorporating probiotic rich foods, or even, you know, kombucha, sauerkraut, things like that. Right. Um, and really just hyper-focusing on your health, taking magnesium if you need to, and then you kind of work up from there, right. Mm -hmm. You don't really have to worry about getting your exercise down pat or, or what have you. It's just finding that one piece and, and your gut is the first thing you should be working on because that's the last essentially the last portal out of your body. Right. Mm -hmm. So we kind of have to work backwards. So work from there. And then you can start working on your liver, which is kind of that next step, right? Obviously work with your healthcare provider. If this confuses the hell out of you, which it does most people, (laughs) right? Understandably. (laughs) Exactly. We're not taught anything about this. So I would say, yeah. Um, yeah, really get on top of, I know easier said than done, but making sure you're eating enough Mm -hmm. because too, I I see constipation a lot. And this is something I dealt with. Um, I had severe, severe constipation after the pill to the point I would go like once every 10 days. Like it was awful. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. And that, you know, completely ruined my life at the time, but I was scared to eat. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I wasn't eating and then my body wasn't getting the nutrients. And of course, if there's no food to actually expel, you become even more constipated. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's kind of a catch 22 because you feel awful and food hurts your stomach or it makes you bloated. It makes you uncomfortable. But that really is the first piece of what your body needs. And this is why I'm so vocal about like the calorie deficits, mm-hmm. the calories in versus calories out. It's like I've never met a hormone balance that was fixed by ripping nutrients out of your body mm-hmm. or, or restricting nutrients, right? No hormone imbalance is solved by nutrient deficiency. So we actually need more food, not less. Right. Right. And honestly, just, I have felt so much better since I started ensuring that I was eating enough because I, I did have to make it a conscious thing in my day, but I started feeling so much better. So what I want now, and this is like, again, totally educational because I'm still trying to understand hormones and the impact that they have had on me throughout my life, throughout my pregnancy now, because I think they're still wrecking havoc. And I'm sure my husband would agree because he's the one dealing with my PMS, PMDD, somewhere in between whatever the hell is happening. But can you explain 
each phase of the cycle and and how they differ throughout the month and like what is that doing to us to our hormones and you know the impact of that yeah of course so i'll kind of take you through what a balanced cycle would look yes. like or how you should be feeling so um day 1 of our cycle is the first day of your period so the first day of that full flow your hormones have essentially collapsed to their lowest levels which is what actually triggers the bleed so the first 1 to 3 days are usually lower in energy you're your, you know, I guess spiritual energy definitely goes more inward. You kind of want to just chill and not, you're not super sociable. And that's because obviously your hormones are in the ground around day three, your hormones start to pick up, right. Sends a signal to your brain to essentially start the process of ovulation. And we enter what is called the follicular phase. So this is definitely, and I I incorporate this too with, you know, business owners, because it's so interesting being able and really impactful being able to kind of cycle sync your business too. So this follicular phase is more of that masculine phase, right? You have the to-do list, you can check things off. You kind of feel unstoppable. You're not really emotional. Um, so you can have maybe hard conversations during this Mm -hmm. time without it impacting you really greatly. Your energy is increasing again, as your hormones are going up to ovulation. So a really good time to do like the hit workouts or go for a run your body can handle it a lot easier at this point. So this you is, need less sleep. This is right after your period? Right after your period, okay. yeah. Okay, so this is like a good yeah. time maybe even like for like hard relationship conversations and things like that. Yeah, I I'll, like I'll get to that in a second. Okay. <laughs> <I like laughs> maybe, that. Hold, maybe hold off, Alex. <laughs> so yeah, definitely masculine energy. You can get a lot done. You need less sleep less food as well. Your metabolism is slower. So if you've ever tracked your cycle, um, for BBT, if you've tracked your temperature right after ovulation, your temperature rises, right. Which tells you you've ovulated. So this is the time, um, before your temperature has spiked. So your metabolism is lower because there's not as much heat in the, in the body. So need less food, have more energy, need less sleep. You can kind of basically blow through your to-do list. And then we enter the magical ovulatory phase, right? Which again is magical. If your hormones are balanced, if you suffer from PMDD, it's probably not so magical. (laughs) This is obviously the time biologically your body's trying to get you pregnant, right? So your estrogen's increasing, your testosterone's increasing. You're going to be able to lift heavier in the gym because of that. You're also going to be really social, a lot more confident. A lot of women have really clear skin during this time. And even from like a podcasting business perspective, this is actually the perfect time to do anything that requires speaking or presenting because your oral skills are super on point at this time. So you can speak really eloquently without getting like that brain fog or like, what what was that question type thing? Um, And this is probably the good time for hard conversations (laughs) because- (laughs) because you, it's almost like combining follicular and the next phase, which I'll get into all together into this kind of five day transition window. So you're masculine enough to not take things super personally or get really emotional, but you still have like that motherly kind of aspect to you because you're ovulating. Right. Exactly. So you can be very empathetic but not also like freak out on whoever you're having the conversation <laughs> on. Okay. Right? Okay. So you're not going to be a cold hearted bitch. I like that. I like so that. It's important yeah. information to know. Exactly. That's very important. You're welcome, Shane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then after we ovulate, 
we basically are in this much longer phase, which is the second half of our cycle called the luteal phase. So this is your body essentially preparing you for pregnancy if you were to conceive during ovulation. Um, and this is kind of that PMS phase where you okay. start experiencing those symptoms. So your hormones drop right after you ovulate, and then they take a little milder of a peak, kind of mid-luteal. So this is a really good time to really amp up on your self-care. You're definitely going to be a little bit more inward again, as your hormones have crashed. You might have that post ovulation crash where you feel a bit little, a little bit irritable, maybe a little bit fatigued. Um, and then it kind of, it, it, it kind of levels out mid luteal. Um, but if you are someone who experiences a lot of PMS symptoms, you might be bloated. You might have sore boobs. You'll mm -hmm. definitely have the mood swings. And one thing that I really noticed in my own cycle, and I still deal with it depending on how well I've taken care of myself the month before is anxiety. This is definitely the time for anxiety to kind of rear its ugly head. So progesterone is our anti-anxiety hormone. And right before your period comes, that progesterone drops to trigger the period, right? And so you might feel really anxious for two to three days before your period. And this is why I'm such an advocate of women understanding their cycle, because as much as it is, you know, physical, it is a mental game as yeah. we all know as women, yeah. right? And for me specifically, it was a big thing when I didn't know this and I would get anxious and you start playing like the shame game. You're like, why am I anxious? I have nothing to be anxious about. Nothing's even wrong. What is wrong with me? Blah, blah, blah. And you like dig yourself into this deeper hole. You might have some imposter syndrome. You know, you want to throw in the towel for all your projects you're doing. And then your period comes and you're like, oh, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> right. So me knowing my cycle is so important for me personally, but also professionally, because I know it's not really a good time to be doing podcasts or to be launching a product or what have you, because I know I'm going to be feeling a little bit shit, to be honest, mm -hmm. but it also helps me mentally because I know I'm like, oh, my period's coming in three days. This is why it's not my fault. This is natural. And this too shall pass. Right. So it really helps me mentally kind of knowing what is going on in my body. Mm -hmm. So I don't go down that rabbit hole of like thinking everything's my fault. So like how, what if your period is not uh, like clockwork, right? So it's like, you can't really say, oh, okay, it's in three days. Like how long do you have to chart these things before you get a good idea of what it looks like? Yeah. Great question. So we usually recommend at least three months to get some solid data, if not six months. Um, so it's definitely a learning curve. I mean, I'm still learning about my body every single month. I'm noticing new things, right. And it's never going to be perfect or it can be, but it's rare. Um, so again, all things to take into consideration, but Again, if you're tracking your symptoms, you're tracking the days, even if they are off by a few days here and there, you still know the general, you know, phase mm -hmm. that you're in and what you're experiencing. And, you know, we could go deeper into, you know, your cervical fluid and your body temperature and all those things that are actually telling you when, where you are in your cycle. Right. So again, there's all these different kind of facets that go into it, but 
to answer your question, your very simple question, three months at least to kind of have a good pattern down. Um, And that's why usually those period apps that you use, Mm -hmm. if you just start using them, they'll say like, we don't have predictions. We don't have predictions until you have enough data. Right. Okay. And now I kind of want to pivot back to the, you know, pregnancy postpartum aspect of all this, but what is, what changes? Like what about your hormones changes from one phase to the next? Because all I know is that I can feel it a ton, but like what's actually happening? Yeah. So when we're pregnant, our hormones are super, super high. Your Mm -hmm. estrogen is high. Your progesterone is high. And that has to do with your placenta. Your placenta is creating these hormones, right? As soon as you give birth and that placenta leaves the body, Mm -hmm where have those hormones gone, right? You essentially have dropped to like menopausal levels, which is again, why it's so intuitive that you kind of possibly lose your mind a little bit, right? After again, keeping into consideration, everything else, your, your nutrient levels, Mm -hmm. your support system, your sleep, right? So pregnancy super high postpartum, super low. And I actually want to talk about this a little bit. I want to know if you've ever heard of this, Mm -hmm. but Have you ever heard of women eating their placenta? I've heard of it. From what I understand, there's no uh, scientific evidence or even peer-reviewed evidence that suggests that it can actually help hormonal levels and that it could potentially be dangerous as well. So that's interesting what, because yeah, because the bacteria depend. I, I, if yeah, there's a lot of companies that do it, but I have heard that I know people that have done it that have had their placentas encapsulated. I thought about doing that. Um, I did have a company reach out to me offering to do it for me for free, and I did not take them up on it because I could not find empirical evidence. Yeah, yeah, it's so interesting because I've seen it floating around too. Mm-hmm. I definitely have not uh, researched it enough to have any opinion either way. Um, but I was listening to a podcast once and a woman owns a placental encapsulation company. Right. And she was talking about how it's, it's essentially a, a good way to replenish those nutrients and those minerals that are lost and the hormones, right? Because the hormones are in it. But like you said, I have come across things saying like, you know, research isn't quite there yet, but which- yeah, no, it's, it, and here's the thing, like the women that I know that have done it swore by it and they loved it. But then on the other hand, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I can't say. I don't know. (laughs) It's interesting. But I mean, there there you have it. Like Mm -hmm. women just don't get the the amount of studies done on them that men do. And so like, how has this not been studied like extensively, right? And again, that just goes back to our healthcare system, women getting gaslit and blah, blah, blah. I won't get on that soapbox. But it's really unfortunate that there's just not enough studies done on women to have a solid answer. And, and we do go off of a lot of anecdotal evidence, right? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, and I kind of take this approach with my clients too. I've had clients say, you know, I went and got my hormones tested and they all came back normal, but do you feel normal? Right. You know, like I will take you not feeling normal over a lab or over Mm -hmm. blood work any day, because if you do not feel normal, then something is going on and that needs to be talked about. Right. So I just wanted to get your opinion on that. If you had like heard of it, because that, yeah, I find that super interesting, but again, I don't, I don't know enough. I, I, I haven't looked into it enough to form an opinion. From what I understand, there's better things you can do to help depletion and the depletion that you face after giving birth 
then doing that. And again, that all comes back to diet, mainly diet and like eating enough nutrients. And like you said, eating enough, not taking anything out, especially for breastfeeding, you need more than usual. Mm -hmm. So from what I've read, diet is the most important thing that you can do to help keep your, I don't know, I'm going to say levels up, whatever the hell that means, you know, if it's (laughs) hormonal, just nutrient, mineral, everything that makes you feel good in the long run, right? right? So that's kind of what I understand. And even that I don't have a great understanding of. Like I eat a balanced diet, but I don't know if I'm getting enough friggin' magnesium or iron or vitamin, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I know that is where a lot of, a lot of us get really overwhelmed Mm because you don't know if you're doing things right. And then sometimes it, it, it takes too long from what your own personal timeline feels like. And then you give up and then you're like jumping from, from trick to trick. And then you end up in this cycle and diet culture just gobbles it up. They love it. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Yeah. So it's, it's such a shame. We really don't know anything about our bodies. No, it's which is crazy. Okay, Jen, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Seedlip is crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories and solves the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Or the dilemma when you've been drinking alcohol for maybe too many days in a row at the cottage and you just want a reprieve, but you still want that feeling of having a nice cocktail. It really has made our cottage experience a lot more comfortable when we're taking our days off from alcohol. Yes. You know, kicking up your feet by the fire with a little seed lip Caesar has been very sweet. And, you know, as a non-drinker, it never feels great when the only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. So whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grow 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with like a simple splash of tonic. We recommend Fever Tree, but any kind of tonic will do. But the ones that Shane and I like to make, you know, the more complex cocktails, you'll find those in the Seedlip Cocktail Book or on Instagram at seedlip underscore na. So head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. This is available in Canada and in the U.S. And again, that is seedlipdrinks.com and This Family Tree 10. And now let's get back to our interview with Jen. It is crazy. It is crazy. And even as a woman, like, so I have lupus. I got diagnosed when I was 23. Even that. And that is an illness that women typically have, like way more women than men have it. And it's like, is that why it's understudied? Is that why it's underfunded? Women's health, every single woman in the world has a crazy shift in hormones every month and bleeds for five days, yet period products still cost a shit ton of money. And they're inaccessible for a lot of women, especially in third world countries. And we don't understand our hormones. Like we aren't given any ways to approach these things. Like in health class, shouldn't we be learning ways to support our bodies during these times. We're not, right? Like we said it at the beginning of the interview, we all just go and get the pill. 
Right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, not to get too political by any means, <laughs> but it comes back to money, right? Mm-hmm. It comes back to, unfortunately, pharmaceuticals is where a lot of money comes from. And so of course you can go the more holistic way. You can get a naturopath. You can go to a functional doctor. The vast majority of people can't afford that. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're not subsidized. And like you said, we're taxed on personal hygiene products every single month we're taxed on that although i think the uk actually took away the that's the feminine amazing. product tax that's yeah. amazing amazing like why isn't it free well, I, th- that's the next thing i know <laughs> it should be in a lot of cases it really right. should be yeah yeah so uh, again it's uh, a very intricate environment mm-hmm. that we're kind of pushed into and then some of us figure it out and a lot of us don't. And it's, it's really unfortunate. And that is why too, you know, chronic illness in Mm -hmm. women is much higher than men. Um, you know, also considering the emotional aspect of it, women tend to be, you know, more nurturers. Um, and we, we take the burden on Mm -hmm. in the, in the family, of course, not in all the cases, but we do tend to take it on and we kind of shove things down. We don't talk mm-hmm. about our periods. We don't talk about our constipation. And so it all just gets shoved down and it manifests in the body as illness and disease mm-hmm. if it's not taken care of. So how can we prepare ourselves for these huge hormonal changes that we're going to experience, whether it's from not being pregnant to pregnancy or pregnancy to postpartum? Yeah. So I think for every woman, it needs to come down to very foundational things. And my clients probably get annoyed with me because I'm always just (laughs) harping like the same three things to them. (laughs) Take care of yourself, take some time for self-care. And I haven't had a baby. I'm not going to pretend I know what it's like because I definitely don't, but I can only imagine the identity shift and how hard Mm -hmm. that is to be your own person, to have your own hobbies, your own things. And then all of a sudden you're a mom, literally overnight, you're a mom and society just deems you as a mom. And that's kind of it. Right. So again, I don't want to be that asshole who says when I'm pregnant, I'm going to do this, but (laughs) I do think it's really important to still have your own identity. Like I love what you're doing and how you're kind of, you know, created, you've created this community that's based around your family, but you're still your own individual person. Your personality Mm -hmm. still shines through, right? It's not all about being a mom, right? So I think it's really, really important to still have that piece of you and not Mm -hmm. forget who you were before you became mom, right? Mom is just an extension. You're still a whole body of something else, right? So I would say that um, working on your stress levels, stress is one of the biggest things that really hits people. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people don't understand the impact of stress, how it affects your hormones, how it can affect your fertility, how it can affect obviously your mood. And it's because stress is invisible for the most part, right? You stub your toe. That's a stress. You get cut off in traffic. That's a stress. You look at your bank account. That's a stress, right? There's, there's all these stresses hitting us from all angles all day. And if we're not taking the time to de-stress, whatever that means to you, having a bath, um, you know, having a skincare routine, doing yoga, meditating, breath work, just taking five minutes to scream into a pillow, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, If you're not taking care of your stress, I'd say that's the number one thing. It will run you ragged. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, I guess my best advice is a track your cycle so you can start to better understand your body. And when you better understand it, you feel more like you're in control. 
and then work on that stress. And then of course, you know, keep, keep your identity in some form. So you don't just get engulfed in this new persona, I guess that you've been thrown into and no one has prepared us for. Mm -hmm. And that is so good. And I have one last question. Okay. So it has to do with like you just kind of said, balancing your cycle, getting to know your symptoms, whatever. You did a reel and it was like you sitting on the couch and the caption was like, you know, when you balance your cycle and eliminate PMS symptoms and then it's like you slide in in a different shot in red and it's like your period shows up by surprise because you don't know it's necessarily coming. I needed to dig a little deeper into that. Like, can you eliminate... What do you mean by eliminate your symptoms, I guess? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So PMS is not normal. PMS is just very common. And so we've been led to believe that we are burdened with these symptoms every month. And I have lots of clients who do not know when their period's coming aside from tracking it. I personally, again, depending on how I've treated myself the month before, I generally don't have symptoms either. I don't have cramps. I have more symptoms actually when I'm ovulating, my Mm -hmm. boobs get a little bit sore and I'm a little bit more bloated, but yeah, PMS is just an imbalance. Again, it's your body telling you something's off. And if you do have a fairly balanced, um, rhythmic cycle, Mm -hmm. you will not know when your period is coming. You should not know when your period's coming. That's fascinating. See, I need to get on all these things. It's like, it's that it is. And especially since my periods right now are so much worse, my PMS is so much worse. I need to start. I need to start balancing these things out. It's crazy. It's well, taking a toll. To the right girl. Right. I know. <laughs> I know. No, but it's it's been driving me crazy. And you know, like I, my kids don't re- notice it because I can keep it in, and then it just comes out in me being like passive aggressive to Shane, which is that's like me being like super mean is when mm-hmm. I'm being passive aggressive, or if I like snap on him for something. Like that's as that's as mean as I get. But that's pretty mean for me. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But, and it's not something you should just feel like, oh, well. <laughs> like, no, yeah. Y- yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be a bitch. So no, <laughs> of course. But Jen, this has been so great. And where can people, where can listeners go to find you, your program, anything else that you are working on? Yeah. So on Instagram, I am life as Jen, Jen with two N's. Um, and my website is fit-period.com. On there, I have some freebies you can download. You can read more about birth control and your cycle and all that fun stuff. Um, and then I have a link to my Facebook community on my website as well. That's awesome. Thank you yeah. so, so much. And it was nice touching base with you. I know we went to the same high school and you hung yeah. with my brother. But yeah, it's so good <laughs> to touch base. Yeah, you too. Thank you for having me. Hell yeah, Jen. Thanks so much. Hey, take care. Bye. Bye. And that was Jen, the hormone expert. See, what I like about this is just that it totally demysticizes. Alex, is that the word? I said no, it wrong again. Keep Erica, you're keeping this in. <laughs> Alex always has a problem saying demystifies. Sorry, I said that with so much confidence. Demysticizes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. I know what you meant. Yeah, You meant de- demystify. Okay. Demystifies hormones. And though I use that word totally incorrectly, and yes, I should know better, I'm no idiot, okay? And I know that might be hard for some new listeners maybe to understand, but I'm not a dummy. And I should know why our hormones are the way they do, why they change the way they do in the phases of life that we go through. 
However, I don't. And I honestly, should know the way our hormones are the way they do. <laughs> and I'm no idiot. Sorry, guys. We had some beautiful wine. Yes. But uh, my friends don't know anything either. We know that we get PMS, then our periods, and then we're back to ovulating and, you know, looking good again and feeling mm. good. But Jen really helped me out with that. And I, I thought that her knowledge on the subject and her outlook on everything was awesome. And I really respect women in her position that help other women just understand their bodies. Because honestly, why don't we learn this when we take sex ed or body stuff for the first time, like grade six? It, it just seems like we're it the other way around. And I know I've been kind of anti-patriarchy lately, you know, a little undertone. But I feel like if it was the other way around... Not only the guys, but women and guys would know more about it. And now let's get to my favorite, <laughs> my favorite section of the show. It is the mailbag segment. Now, this is a section where Alex answers listener questions. That's right. I'm talking about you, the very people listening to this podcast. So people have submitted questions. Alex answers them. I kind of kick back and go along for the ride. And uh, before I get started, I really want to thank everybody this week because what about the real miss blondie real miss blondie i mean she is we love she's, you she's a queen we respect okay. you you're going to be on our gravestones when we die yes yes uh but but i have to say aside from the real miss blondie we had who was a, a rock star this week but we had more people reaching out and asking questions like more unique people than ever before and i really want to thank people for getting over their shyness or whatever it is and starting to ask us questions because it's awesome and uh yeah i appreciate it so i got a ton of questions this week and so many that we can't even fit them all in right now so we will we'll get to them next yes. week yeah so if your question is not answered tonight it will be answered Rest assured we do not ignore questions i promise okay first question how did we sleep train for naps so <laughs> what just the nap word i have to everyone knows on this podcast i'm annoying and i call you out on every awkwardly phrased word but all right naps 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 so it's been totally different with each kid for betty it was just a matter of setting her down she she really fell naturally into her sleep routines but it would just be putting her down she'd cry for maybe five minutes and then she'd be asleep. And it really has been an easy journey with Betty and her naps. Lucy has been a slightly different story. Uh, but with her naps, she she had a really hard time falling asleep if there was even a little bit of light getting in. So right now, even though Betty is very young, Betty can sleep in full daylight. Whereas Lucy, we need to darken her room, get sound going pretty loudly, uh, and really set the mood for sleep. And I think you just have to feel out your kid. And if your kid is having a hard time sleeping in like, you know, just lighter conditions, really make their room perfect for sleep and just start doing different things that your kid responds to. Try to see what they respond to. Do they respond to, you know, kind of getting ready for nap and quieting down half hour before they go to sleep? Try that. Try no food, you know, the f an hour before they go for a nap because that could also keep them up. But with both kids, we definitely did have to let them cry it out a little bit. And, and that always worked out very well for us, although I know not everybody is comfortable with it. Okay, give me a question I can chime, kind of chime in on here. Shane, it's hilarious because there's actually lots you can chime into Perfect. tonight. Give me one of those. <laughs> okay, well, next question. Can we start Hamilton Playgroup so our COVID babies have friends? 
Heck yes. And I, I'm just going to say now. That's oddly specific. The, the easiest way to do this, if you're from Hamilton, just go to Shamrock Park. We just started going there a couple weeks ago. And it's like the best group of like little kids ever. Just go there. We'll be there every once in a while. Uh, next question. Shaney Boy, this is for you. Oh, wow. We need beauty tips from Shane, a.k.a. Beef Bull. How do I grow and groom a mustache? Who's this from? Who asked this question? I didn't write that down. I don't know. I feel like I know who did this. Um, it's it's. I believe it's from a woman, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I think she's no. I think she's asking for her significant other. Okay, so this is a great question because I only learned how to groom my mustache during quarantine. I used to think that all my mustache hairs needed to be the same length, but during quarantine, I started YouTubing. How do I grow a proper mustache? And it's actually the ones closer to your nostrils are going to be shorter. The lower, lower, lower it gets, it gets, no, sorry. The ones closest to your nostrils are going to be longer. And the closer it gets to your lip is going to be shorter. And make sure that you have a mustache trimmer, which mm -hmm. is basically low, uh, very tiny scissors, and trim above your lip line. So the hairs aren't hanging over your lips because mm -hmm. it, it can look very sloppy. And I started being more diligent with shaving my neck and chin area. So the mustache really shines and it doesn't just look like a overgrown facial hair weird thing. But I, I used to trim when I trimmed every hair equally, it, my mustache was patchy. And I know people know beards get patchy, but to have a patchy mustache, like just the mustache area being patchy looks terrible. It's the worst look you can have. I've gotten more compliments on my mustache in the last year than in my entire life. And I've had a mustache since I was 24. Now, can I admit something to you? Yeah. Yeah. So prior to you, like, actually learning how to groom it properly, the hairs, like, you'd have, like, uh, random hairs that would kind of curl over and under your lip. And it was just odd. Didn't hate it, but I'm just saying it was odd. And now I just find that you don't. And the stash is pretty glorious these days. It's amazing. So you, even though you'd always tell me, always keep the stash, always yes. keep the stash, you didn't like it. No, I did. And I prefer stash to no stash, even with scraggly hairs. Why not? Okay, so we're married. We're in a comfortable relationship. Why not just say even, I don't know, drunkenly well, one? No, because I, I only know that it's less as good now now that you have the good one i didn't realize it's less is good no no no. i didn't realize that it looked silly until you started grooming it properly and now i'm like oh like this makes so much more sense it's always perfect now so then it's like looking back like you know what i mean yeah and i i have you bought me for christmas this little like it's like a mustache mm -hmm. wax that can like brushing your mustache matters too so w what brand's that again Beard brand. Beard brand, yes. Yeah. So it's a mustache like gel, mm -hmm. but you just put very little on and it just keeps everything in order, like the flyaway hairs that can be on your mm -hmm. mustache. Yeah. Uh, next question. What is perimenopause and does it really start in your 30s? Good question. I mean, I wish... I, wish I knew I had a asked. guy named Perry Menopause, actually, in high school. <laughs> I wish I had had the hormone uh, expert on for this one. But I, I researched this. Actually, as embarrassing as it is, I did not know the term perimenopause. So quite simply, it just means around menopause. And it like, just refers to the time that your body starts to make the natural transition into menopause. 
So you may notice signs of progression toward menopause, such as like irregularities, like not, you know, not regular periods. They're very light, very heavy, maybe you're skipping a month. Uh, and this usually happens sometimes in your 40s. Although, yes, as a question asker wanted to know, it can happen in your 30s, probably around your mid to late 30s. But as with periods in general menstruation, some women it starts earlier. So perimenopause could be the same. And what it essentially is, is the level of estrogen in your system, which is, you know, your main female hormone, uh, and it rises and falls unevenly during perimenopause. So this causes, as I said, your menstrual cycles, your menstrual cycles to lengthen or shorten, and you may begin having menstrual cycles in which your ovaries don't release an egg. So you also might have symptoms like hot flashes, sleep problems, and vaginal dryness. But once you've gone through 12 months consecutively without a period, then you have officially reached menopause and perimenopause is over, which is interesting because I always thought this period of transition was menopause, but that's that. Shane, you ready for the next question? I am. Should divorced parents hold separate parties for their kids' birthdays? I'm going to answer this first as a person who has not come from a divorced household and doesn't really know what they're talking about. But I'm going to say have the same birthday. Otherwise, it's going to turn it. I mean, if you're on good terms, uh, because then it won't turn into a competition. But you you give me tell me what to, like well, what's just right. coming from my experience. If we're basing this on my life. Hell no. Uh, have, <laughs> you've met my mom and my dad. You want them together in the same room having a birthday? No, it becomes competitive. Right. It be, every gift becomes some sort of contest or pageantry. Mm. And it's like, get that out of here. Let's have separate birthdays and let's have everyone enjoy it and it not be about the parents posturing in some weird way to either prove that they're over it or that they're not over it either way there's some sort of acting going on and you can sense it as a child you don't want any of it you want it to be separate unless you're in the very rarefied air which is both parents are totally cool and comfortable and mm -hmm. it was amicable during the split which i find to be in like maybe the yeah. 0.5 percent of all cases i say separate it let's make it about the kids move on Yep. No, I, I think that is a very good call. So I changed your mind? Yeah, you did. Okay. <laughs> well, because I, I was just assuming that the pageantry and competition would happen more if they were separate. But no, they definitely happen more in front of each other. That's like why you would do it. Well, no one's acting natural. Yeah, no, I know. And then that it, makes especially so much if, you're, if you're bringing in the new girlfriend or whatever, it's. Yeah. Whew. No, I agree. Uh, next question If you hadn't found Shane, would you be a single parent by choice? And my answer is hell no. That was, you know, and this is in stark contrast to my conversation on this episode with Alyssa Garrison, uh, who was uh, totally had that calling. I did not have that calling uh, for a very long time. I did not feel the desire to have kids at all, even in a relationship. So yeah, that, that wasn't for me, although I think I did want to be a mother. I don't think it's something that I, or I know it's something that I would not have taken on as a single woman yeah it's just not not my thing but yeah, yeah it's not something i would have envisioned for myself either but who knows i'm i'm the type that i might be open to that like if i was in my mm -hmm. mid 40s maybe yeah maybe i don't know i i still think no for me but uh next question shaney boy this is another one for you i love it 
really digging Shane's long hair. Is it here to stay? Well, this is easy. Yeah, it's here to stay, but <laughs> stays all relative into how you define time. Because when I'm 55, will I have long hair? True. Maybe not. But is it here to stay in the relative short to medium long term? Yeah. Just because I have no reason to cut it. I dig that. Am I judged by it more than maybe I would be if I had short hair? Yes. But I also have tattoos that I'm judged by. I so I figure. You just look like a, like a musician type. 100%. Which kind of embarrasses me because. <laughs> Especially if I'm in a pool and I've got tattoos and long hair, people really don't think I can support myself. <laughs> at a kids, at a kids function, like where we're all there with the kids. Anywhere, anywhere I go, <laughs> like I'm thinking of Pillar and Post. Oh no, 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 Shane! Everybody at Pillar and Post, which is like a ritzy kind of hotel, spa hotel that we went to not long ago, and we will be going back, as I mentioned, for our anniversary. People gravitated toward you, Shane, because of that, because they're like, this guy's got to be something like he's either a musician. He's some like producer. He's an actor. He but he's got an interesting job, which you do. You know, I attract a lot of Trump supporters and unvaccinated people to me because I look like a good time and people think <laughs> I would not be judgmental. That's what happens. Uh, I'm not arguing that. Last question for this evening. And again, if yours wasn't answered tonight, it will 100% be answered next week. Uh, have you seen the Snatch TV movies? And where can I watch them? I'm feeling nostalgic. So Snatch TV, can we keep this in? Yeah. Sure. So Snatch TV was, uh, Shane, correct me if I'm wrong, Shane's like teenage production company. Who asked this question? I don't think you'd get it. Who? Take two guesses. Ash Legs? Nope. Um... Okay, Real Miss Blondie. No. Huh. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, so, person who will not be named, I have not seen them. I've heard tons about them. Uh, I have not seen anything. You've seen some Snatch TV films. You, okay, wait, wait, was... Um, Teen Wolf 3 Teen was Wolf a Snatch TV film. And yes. the, the Mountain Brow or whatever. Yes, the Escarpment. The Escarpment, okay, I've yeah. seen that. I not have... my number one fan across from me right now, by the way. Right. Um, I've also seen a couple with Bert, but I have not seen the major one that everybody talks about. You the, and have. the major one you're referring to is a documentary I filmed when I was almost 16, uh, which was about my mom's cheating boyfriend. And we filmed him after he got caught cheating. I actually you caught him. I caught him cheating. And I know people are thinking, oh, you barged in on a in a room and saw your mom's boyfriend having intercourse with another woman. No. But we were at a Krabby Joe's, which had cheap wings in Hamilton, and he was making out with a woman at a bar. And That's I filmed nuts. I filmed it, showed it to my mom, and basically chaos broke loose. And we filmed us throwing out his clothing into a dumpster. And he had like a Porsche and a Jag. And we did some interesting things to his car. And we were... <laughs> At the time, we felt like we were really doing the right thing and protecting my mom. And uh, it ended up going very viral on YouTube and in film festivals. And I even had a professor from um, a university in New York. I think, what's the big New York university? I think it's like NYU. I think it's a yeah. New York university. Yes. Yeah, so uh, that just shows how much I know about anything. And uh, he was like, "I listen, I run a film class this film is brilliant. I want to show it to them. Do I have your permission? And I was like, I DM, like he sent this via YouTube DMs. Weird, yeah. And I was like, heck yeah, show it. 
So interesting. This film got around to say the very least. However, my mom started getting recognized at her work, man, and I. I didn't know the reach of the internet, which yeah. seems foolish to say right now. But at the time, I didn't know how how it could actually get to people. Mm-hmm. Just felt like it was like a fairy tale world, and I had to remove it from the internet. I still have it on as an unlisted private link that I could show you, but I don't know. I'm self conscious about it. I have a shaved head in it, and uh, I have oh. dyed blonde <laughs> hair. And I know aesthetics are like shouldn't be at the forefront, but I think you're going to think I look weird. And you're going to think I'm a brat and you're going to think our kids. I'll think you're a brat. I'll I'll definitely think you're a brat. But you're going to think our kids are going to end up bad and you're going to see a lot of Lucy in young Uh (laughs) devious Shane. Uh Uh-oh. Maybe I don't want to. Lucy's a like innocent troublemaker, but I I had that vibe for sure. That's hilarious. No, I need to see it, Shane. I need to. So many people have asked me about it. Okay. I really need to see it. In the next six months, I will show it to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's only taken you six years of being together, but that's fine. Okay, so that's that's it. That's all. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. We love each and every one of you it's just true. for listening. But we would really love you if you left a review, which I know you won't because we've been asking. And actually, someone did the other week, and I really well, appreciate heck that. Well, heck yeah. We got to read that one out. Anyway, thanks so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast. Podcast. Episode 98.